It's Megacon, the largest comic book, anime, gaming, and multimedia event in the southeastern U.S. returns. Megacon from March 21st through the 23rd, 2014 at the Orange County Convention Center in Magical Orlando, Florida. Confirmed comic book guests include Frank Bruner, Neil Adams, Bill Sinkevic, Mark Wade, Ron Mars, Greg Land, Michael Golden, Dennis Calero, George Perez, Brandon Peterson, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, Colly Hamner, Carl Story, Renee Winterstater, Billy Tucci, and Brian Polito. Just added Nick Bradshaw, Adam Kubert, Dan Jurgens, Mike Miller, Kevin Eastman, Joshua Ortega, Digger, Bart Sears, Ethan Van Skyver, Mike McCone, Frank Thierry, Mike Mayhew, and Chuck Dixon. Confirmed media guests include stars from AMC's The Walking Dead, Torchwood, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Smallville, Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many, many, many more. Plus I, Scott Gardner, will be there representing the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Tickets are available online now at www.megaconvention.com. Children 10 and under are free with paid adult ticket. That's Megacon 2014 at the Orange County Convention Center, Magical Orlando, Florida, March 21st through the 23rd. For information, contact info at megaconvention.com or visit www. Megaconvention.com. That's Megacon 2014. Be there. Good evening. Hello. All right. Good to hear. <laughs> Good to hear from you. How's it going? All right. Well, you're listening to just one of them, their guys. The end of an era. You make the call for it being a fitting ending or not. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final, yes, I guess that's kind of sad, the final episode of Just One of Them, Their Guys, a US1 podcast hosted by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Show. Hi, everyone. My name's Sean Ingle, and my job here, along with my co-host, Mr. Jay Ferguson. How's it going, Jay? I don't know. Uh, I didn't realize. Is it it's the last one? Really? Uh, I'm, I'm tearing up over here. Yeah, surprisingly. I don't know. Surprisingly, US One didn't go past issue twelve, which, well, for better or for worse. But yeah, we have covered the first ten issues of this epic comic, and well, not epic in being part of the epic line, but epic nonetheless. And today we're going to cover issues eleven and twelve, and give you kind of our feelings on the series as a whole, the characters, and you know what this kind of meant to uh, well the comic book history of it. It should be an interesting show. There's going to be secrets revealed. There's 
going to be some interesting artwork by uh, Steve Ditko, and well, it's all going to be a it's all going to be a thing. I guess is what I'm saying about it. Um, but of course, before we get to the coverage of US One number eleven and twelve, we've got to do what I always do during this time, and that's play some promos for some excellent podcasts out there. So. As soon as I get done with the promos, we'll get back and we'll start off with coverage of US-1 number 11. Are you sad to see it go? Mm-hmm. Okay. What? No, I'm sorry. I, I, that's a, that's I, I sort of zoned out there for a second. Yes. I No, no. I'm, I'm, well, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes. It's a ringing you know. endorsement. Enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Illogic, foolish emotions, a constant irritant, and transparent freaks. Two belong in the circus, <laughs> right next to the dog faced boy. True. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. It's a super prize package worth $9,388. Money. This isn't the biggest bag over the head. Punch in the face I ever got. God damn it! And now, together by live simulation via the internet, your hosts, Scott Gardner. He killed a police officer for Christ's sake. You got that lucky to kill him. And Chris Honeywell. Keep away! Keep away from me! You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. Yeah, because she thought you're some kind of freak. Now, come on, let's go. She likes me, eh? No way. Shut up, you freak! You're gonna get a shoe. I said shut up! It's a man home! A man home! TwoTrueFreaks.com The Vietnam War, a conflict that changed America. Of those who served, many came back irrevocably changed while many did not come back at all. This is their story. Marvel Comics presents The Nom.
Join me, Tom Paneris, for In Country, a podcast that covers Marvel Comics series The Nom. Each episode, I will recap and review one issue of the series, as well as provide historical context that's important to understanding the events behind the story. Along the way, I will also take a look at the movies, music, and literature surrounding the Vietnam War. New episodes are posted every two weeks at incountry.podomatic.com. You can find show notes and other media at popcultureaffidavit.com. And we're back. And thankfully, we've got a few emails from you lovely listeners to the show. So before we get to our coverage, let's go ahead and check the email bag and see what we've got. The first one we have here is from Professor Allen, and it's entitled Ads in US 1 Number 9. Professor Allen writes, Sean and Jay, you were marveling at some of the ads in US 1 number, issue number 9, and I had a bit of information about the two ads in question. He says, A, the Marvel tryout book, I don't know how many creators broke into the industry from this book, but one of the mar- winners was Mark Bagley. Huh. Longtime mm-hmm. Marvel artist. Yep. Given his long career, it is probably fair to say the experiment was a success for Marvel. Well, if Mark Bagley got in from the uh, tryout book, I would definitely say that. Because, you know, is he still – his? he kind of cut his teeth uh, and sort of got his name from writing for uh, Amazing Spider-Man, was it? Yeah, he uh, he drew he drew Amazing Spider-Man for quite a while, like during the during the Clone Saga. I, maybe and then maybe a little bit afterwards. Okay, I think, or maybe before. I forget. And then and then obviously he was had the record-breaking run with Brian Michael Bendis on Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And so I don't so. know what he's doing right now though. It's, they were doing he and Bendis, I think, were doing like a one of those icon things called hmm. Brilliant, I think, but. I don't I don't remember whatever happened to that or what he might be doing now. But. Well, he's he's certainly a well-known name. So obviously the tryout book did work out for mm-hmm. for some people then. Professor Allen continues on. He says, "B generic comic book was actually printed, okay? Really? And I I even bought it. It's possible I may still even own it," he says. "It was a humor one-shot and I remember it being adequately funny." Well, there's a ringing endorsement in what we would today call a postmodern or meta way. Okay, well, that, that explains a little bit more of that. I guess a sort of meta-textual comic at the time would have been interesting. He says, finally, keep up the good work until the highway meets the horizon. Make mine US-1. All right. Well, thank you, Professor Allen, for writing in. Thanks for clearing up some of those things. I, I Like I said, I was kind of shocked by the generic comic book thing as well. I, you know, It was an interesting idea with the just generic ads written by a writer and penciled mm-hmm. by a penciler. I thought that was amusing, but the fact that they actually went through with it was, I guess, even more amusing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so shall I go on to the next one, then? Yes. Uh, go ahead. We have another email this time out, and uh, Jay's going to take that. All right. Uh, this email is from Scott Davis. He says, Hi, Sean and Jay. I hope I got this email to you before you record your last show. You did. Thanks for the fun episodes discussing these issues. When the opening music of your show comes on, I feel like I want to soak my headband in blood, jump in my car, and hit the open road just like our hero, Ulysses Archer. Here are my comments on issues number 7 through 10. Yes, one, number 7. 
The Truck Talks? This series continues with excellent surprises. This was a great issue that basically encompasses a battle between U.S. Archer and Midnight's Hypno-Whip. Uh, the filth coming out of Greed's mouth to wide-load Annie is just disgusting. Apologize, you horrid unkempt facts used for a woman. He better get smacked by for this by the end of the series. Wow, that was a brutal death to see Midnight get decimated by U.S. rockets. Somehow, I don't think this is the end of Midnight, though. No, it was, it was all just, you know, I guess sort of a ruse, or she got out of it, or it was a cliffhanger ending, or... You know, I'm certain Kathy Bates is screaming about it wasn't in the cock duty book. So there you go. Mm-hmm. US one number eight. This was a great issue with Taryn ba- battling the shortstop crew with the hypno whip. The cover is sweet with three lovely ladies being Taryn, Mary and Midnight. Yes, it was. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Um, I'm surprised you guys didn't mention how erotic it was that Taryn was sliding around in the oil in her cutoff shorts and top. I kind of feel like we, I don't know. I I think we mentioned it, but I don't think we got too lurid about it. I mean, yeah. I, I think, I think we, you know, kind of just, you know, hinted that the idea of a woman rolling around in oil in skimpy clothing was, you know, I, I, I think it was kind of on the nose. I think uh, we, Marvel knew what they were doing and they were new. They knew who were, they were yeah. playing to. So it worked out well. Yeah. Not like it was a particularly arousing, but like that's no. maybe because it was, you know. Well, it could have been. Yeah, it was. It was arousing that the comic. It was arousing to the level that the comics code would probably let them get away with. Yeah, probably. But so, um, yes, I guess. I guess her black eye kind of takes away from the fantasy, though. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the way she was kind of bruised and beaten up throughout the throughout the book was kind of a deterrent to the. Uh, titillation factor yeah mm-hmm. it's pretty i think it's pretty clear that mary is midnight now even though it hasn't been revealed yet how is this story going to wrap up in only four issues with so much going on honestly after reading 12 issues i'm not sure how it did either um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but okay uh us one number nine sorry to hear you had to re-record the episode but you guys did a great job um why the hate for retread he's a great character uh um, sorry, Scott. Um, you're certainly welcome to your opinions. I mean, I said we've got no room to talk that in that we have anything nice to say about this series, which is, you know, has been pretty much lambasted a lot. But, um, I, we're, I think we're still going to have to disagree about, about retread mm-hmm. still, still don't like him. Yeah, um, I will. I will say, uh, of the series of a whole, it may not be, it's not an, it's not a series that I think you have to read, but if you are reading it, there are some good things in it. One of the bad things in it, however, is retread. He mm-hmm. is, isn't funny. He isn't compelling. He's, he is the weak link in the chain of us one. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I guess maybe it's, it's maybe if, if Scott can enjoy retread, that means excuse me, then that he can enjoy it even more than us. So yes, I guess that's, I guess that's good. You know, um, it's always glad to uh, get this around to people who are, m- might not have known about it otherwise. Um, True. Uh, they said, all right, all right. So yes, he's a great character. I'm bummed out that he's not really in the book anymore, but it sounds like, it sounds like you guys are pretty stoked about it. And we were, 
Um, but eh, he's coming back. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, it was, it was hilarious that us was pushing people over Terran's dead body while wide load. Annie was doing the Arsenio hall chant. I'm really glad to see that Terran is still alive. She's hot and she fights dirty. (laughs) Wow. What a twist to bring the aliens back to the story. I didn't see that coming. I think as we said, neither did we. No one did. Uh, this book wouldn't be complete without Nazis entering the battle, eh? Retread has a great pun on page 19 in response to coming out of hypnosis. Yeah, seven days like this make one week. Uh, that was not... Uh, uh, I, I forgot about that, and yeah. I wish I still did. Um, <laughs> Same here. Retread is great. Instead of getting rid of him, get rid of Baron Von Blimp. That can, guy sucks. <laughs> I would agree with that. Now I can I can get behind Scott on this. Yes, mm-hmm. I can agree with getting rid of Baron Von Blimp. And uh, you might just get your wish mm-hmm. on, on both those fronts. Uh, well, earlier this year, I predicted that Terran was midnight, so I was wrong. I didn't expect Mary to be under hum- hypnosis by the highwaymen the whole time, though. Great issue. US one number 10. This was another great issue with U.S. Archer battling the highwaymen. Al Milgram is really hitting out of the park in these issues. The picture of Terran on the cover was terrible, though. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Agree. She looks like she's straight out of the movie Terminator. Which is a good point. I mean, like, like those really do look like the mirror shades that, uh, um, yeah, that Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger wears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. La. La. <laughs> there you go, Doctor Bill. We put it in this show as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're you're permeating everything on the Two True Freaks Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, the aliens have arrived, and they definitely look like a Star Wars ripoff. When I started reading the flashback scene, I kind of figured they were gonna reveal the highwayman to be jeff and in the end that's how it turned out now i want answers i can't wait to read the last two issues i look forward to listening to your last episode coming up you guys did a great job and i was thoroughly entertained by the humor in the book and your commentary about it i hope to see another sister podcast similar to this one that covers another fun series keep up the great work later scott p.s any chance you can reach out to al milgram for an interview <laughs> i don't know I'm i don't sure- do you is think? Still... I I don't know if he's still writing or if he's still around or I you know I I couldn't you know I guess we could go check but you yeah know, I don't think whatever. he's still writing but I am I mean, he could he could be still I mean I don't think he's he's uh dead but I I, I don't know so uh, and, maybe and, and also to interview Al Milgram about US one that's kind of like. That's kind of like, oh, interviewing Steven Spielberg about uh, 1941. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, it's his it's not his best work, but it's not the thing that I think Al Milgram would be known for. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it might be kind of as a lark, but, uh, you know, getting Al Milgram, that might be a a bit of a thing to do. Mm hmm. That would be interesting. I don't know. I have to have to look out on that. I don't I don't know how we get in contact with Al Milgram, but, you know. Uh, maybe 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 i don't know say if we could and he agreed to do it i would be up for that i don't know about you i mean no that might be uh if there if there was a way and we could talk to him about it and you know what went on with this and why because uh there was a little interchange with uh, some guys on facebook recently where um uh, scott rifon from dinner for geeks was wondering uh, about this article where they published uh the top 10 uh, comics that Marvel was embarrassed about and sadly or, or, or Marvel wished it could forget and sadly this one was like number one on the list or it was at least the first one on the list 
And... Okay, I'm sorry, but I know. I, I, I just read, like, the other the other day, uh, the series that Marvel should be more embarrassed about than this, and it's Trouble. Yes. Everyone, everyone should be embarrassed about that. It is awful. That Please, was... for the love of God, US1 is fun. Go ahead and read it. Do not read Trouble. You will just be sad at the end. That that was actually another one of the uh, the books on there as well, and I was like, you know, US one is silly, goofy, inane fun, but it is by no means awful. And I even if the, you know I'm maybe spoiling a little ahead for the end, but I'm willing to say that this does not rank with some of the worst things put out in Compton. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But yeah. uh, even 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 just out of Marvel, I mean, like not not just what I just mentioned, but like I can think of, you know, probably a couple dozen other ones that, you know, are worse than this and or or runs anyway. But, sure. you know, but yeah, the, but yeah, I thought it was kind of disappointing. And Scott Rifon, you know, wondered why the characters from US one didn't show up in other comics. Well, supposedly the highwaymen showed up in an issue of Ghost Rider. He absolutely did. And, and it's a, it's a really good issue. It's drawn by Tony Moore. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. Now, was it uh was it the actual character of Jefferson Archer or was it just a generic highwayman character? I'm pretty sure it was. But See? it's been it's been I mean, that's just like it's um I mean, I read that when it was coming. I was buying it off the stands when it was coming out. And okay. now I have the uh, um, the Jason Aaron Ghostwriter Omnibus that has it in it. And I read a while after that. But even that was a long time ago. So I don't remember. Hmm. And apparently he, um, U.S. Archer has also, I believe, been in, he was in an issue of uh, Deadpool Team Up, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think that might have been the one where they fought... Uh, Hell cow, the va- the vampire cow from Howard the Duck. I think that might be. I'm not. I can't remember though. And oh, and also he was. I think he made. He's in the miniseries uh, Spider Man and the Secret Wars. I believe this is uh, for younger readers. Hmm. So see, okay, so US one has you know popped up a bit, or not US one, but uh, at least US Archer has popped up a bit in mm-hmm. other comic books in, in the Marvel universe. Yeah. So that's good because one of the things that they were discussing in this thing was could they use the character of US one in other comics? Oh, and I guess they we came to the conclusion that they probably couldn't use the truck because that was mm-hmm. licensed by Tyco as one of their yeah. toy line, sort of on the line, sort of along the lines of mm-hmm. using ROM in books. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, I, yeah, but if you if you look on the uh, on the uh, on the indicia uh, of the issues, the uh, there does actually say that 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 the truck is copyright Tyco or whatever, and. All, but all the original characters created for the series are copyright Marvel. So I mean, it's kind of like how they can use they can use Bug, but they can't use the Micronauts because they don't have mm-hmm. the license for that. But they made up Bug, so or the same thing that they did with Rom. They can't use Rom, but they can use the mm-hmm. Space Knights, and they can use I think the Dire Wraiths as well mm-hmm. because they were weren't they a big bad or related to a big bad like in a recent series i don't know whether it was a secret invasion or something but i thought they brought the dire rates back yeah i mean i think i've in the various abnet and lenin cosmic stuff i think they have i mean they have used the space knights and galador and the dire rates and stuff so I think. so it's specific specifically <laughs> the 
actual licensed figures or the licensed truck that they can't use, but the characters are they've got free reign on. So, mm-hmm. so there you go. You know, yeah. the, there could be there could be a U.S. archer hanging out in the Marvel universe somewhere. Mm-hmm. And and uh, as for Scott's um, hope to to see another uh, sister podcast about uh, about another fun series, well, uh, I, I don't. I don't know if uh, Sean and I are going to be doing anything like that in the near future, but uh, stay tuned and you might find perhaps something that you would be interested in. Definitely. But with email out of the way, I think it is now time to go into the meat of this episode and start getting into, I guess this would be the penultimate issue of US-1 in US-1 number 11. US-1 number 11 was cover dated August 1984 and released on May 1st, 1984. It had a cover price of 60 cents in the U.S. The title was Transmissions from Space. The writer was Al Milgram. The penciler was Frank Springer, inker Mike Esposito, letterer Janice Chang, colorist George Russos, chief mechanic Ralph Macchio, and owner of the garage Jim Shooter. Picking up from the dramatic reveal of last issue, Ulysses Solomon Archer reels from the discovery that his archenemy, the Highwayman, is none other than his long-thought-dead brother, Jefferson Hercules Archer. U.S. asks for an explanation, but before he can get one, the alien ship appears overhead. Jefferson curses the alien, saying that he'll prove his worthiness as he leaps on U.S., preparing to tear his throat out. But a beam of energy bursts from the ship, stopping Jeff in his tracks and allowing U.S. to demand the aliens tell him just what the heck is going on. The aliens project a giant hologram of themselves and tell U.S. to enter his truck and that all will be revealed. The blonde big rigger begrudgingly complies and U.S. 1 and the black rig are pulled up into the air and transported back to the shortstop, where Papa Wheelie, Wide Load Annie, Terran, Mary, and... Retread are wondering what they will have to do with the mid-fight frozen Nazis and truckers. The answer, sort of, comes from US-1 descending from the sky, sadly missing crushing retread by a few feet. The aliens drop the black rig as well, and Annie, in her well-reasoned form, decides to bash the skull in of the highwayman for all the trouble that he's caused. But upon opening the cab, Annie and the rest of the shortstop crew are shocked to see that the highwayman was none other than Jefferson Archer. Cut to the gondola, Baron Bond blimps, but blimp, okay, where Clutch, Grab, and Legreed are wondering how they're going to get out of this fuster clock. In true corporate fashion, they decide to climb down from the dirigible and hide from our protagonist in some convenient shrubbery just out of eyesight of the sea. While the one percenters are cowering, the alien has exited the ship and is now cleaning up the mess by transporting Bond blimp and the Nazis to downtown Tel Aviv and awakening the truckers, but giving them upset stomachs as a side effect. Sensing an opportunity, Clutch, Grab, and Greed approached the departing truckers and convinced them to tell any truckers to avoid the shortstop, in hopes that it'll drive business away and help with their plans for closure. Back in the diner, the shortstoppers were listening to the alien, who is now channeling some Lee Kirby's Thor speak, relate that U.S. was the guy that they wanted to join their Galactic Federation. But, because all the humans look alike to him, racist, the aliens chose Jefferson by mistake, and U.S. surmises that his brother did this in order to keep his younger siblings safe. Jefferson scoffs at the notion, saying that he he was always tired of living in U.S.'s shadow, 
always feeling like he was second best. Even when U.S. went to college, Jeff spent his time trucking to help support him. But when U.S. dropped out to take up trucking as well, well, that was the last straw. So in order to trick U.S., Jefferson used the black rig and a dummy of the highwaymen to crash into their rig on that fateful night. Jefferson jumped free, but U.S. didn't fare so well. The story unfolds, as we've all seen before, with the, ex- with the exception of the doctors who implanted the CB skull in U.S.'s head, being the members of the alien race. And with plot explanations out of the way, the alien declares that the brothers will have one more contest to finally decide which one of them will inherit the stars. And that ends issue number 11 of US 1. Jay, what kind of notes do you have on this? Well, I guess the first the first would be uh that I I do really like the um that that uh, splash page on the on the first one that's very nice. I like the the black rig flying and the cape going all everywhere and and the like and and uh, Jefferson just holding the mask like uh, it, it just looks so fake when when yeah. it's not on his face and it's like I don't know. It's I was just... I, I was gonna say I, I wonder where Jeff got the mask from Halloween because it looks so much like the Shatner mask from or the shape mask that Michael Myers wore in the Halloween movie. It's just, it was just kind of goofy, it but it, it, it's not, it's not the, it, it's not the right color though, but that's true. It is it, for some reason, like a lot of the stuff on here, it's, it's a sort of light purple as well. I guess that mm-hmm. was an easy color to do at this time. I, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to talk just a little bit about the cover. Uh, oh right! Yeah, we've got go ahead. we've got Michael Golden back on the cover. Well, Michael Golden's pretty much drawn all the covers here, and this is a Except real except for the 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 first one. I think I think Milgram yeah, the, did. The yeah, first Milgram one. did the first one, but the rest of them have been by mm-hmm. Golden, and this one was great. You've got the Highwaymen, you know, sort of in this this sort of green ethereal thing with his claw over US one, and you've got US Archer in the bottom in a sort of terrified scream. It's all very surreal and. The way the truck designs look also, it it looks like they're traveling through space because they've got that sort of warped effect, like they're being stretched because they're traveling near the speed of light. So I, mm-hmm. I, I, I like the cover. The, it's it's significantly better than the last cover where we had Terminator Terran on it, which was mm-hmm. awful. What do yeah. you think? Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely agree. There's a lot of... I mean, there's a lot of good stuff about it, and I, I think probably what I like the most is just, I mean, you know, this is something that's been going on through most of the golden covers, is that the different levels of detail on the different, like there's, like the highwayman is all basically in uh, a single color, and uh, the trucks are super highly um, realized with all the um, all the shadows and highlights and stuff, and then there's a, a U.S. Archer at the bottom that's a lot, a lot simpler looking. I, I don't know. I just like the way that he plays with those different, different levels of of detail in it. In it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a it's a nice separation. You've got the sort of ethereal, ghostly image of the highwayman above these two hyper realized trucks, and then the sort of uh, that sort of in between, you know, uh, version of U.S. Archer down at the bottom. It's 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 good composition of the cover, and it's 
it's a compelling cover. It's one of those ones that would draw you in to actually want to take a look at the book. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the opening splash page. The, the rest of it's a bit, a bit talky. There's really, I really don't have any uh, notes until about page five. Also, I'll let you go ahead and go through if you okay. have any of that. Um, yeah. Well, I guess I noticed on the, on the second page that, uh, it is interesting that, uh, that, uh, Jeff is really, Go, he's really laying into his brother like how are you so so stupid it was so easy to figure out that i did you know that i that i faked my death and all this and like and no it's not it's really not that easy at all i mean like yes there was no body but um that doesn't necessarily mean um in 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 comic book world sure with our our genre knowledge or whatever we can say oh yeah when there's no body there's something bad is going to happen but in real life lots of accidents leave you know very little trace of uh people especially if it, there's an explosion or something so you know there's plenty of reasonable explanations as to why there wasn't a body so i, I mean yeah it's, it, it's kind of interesting that he it does. It does. It just seems to be that Jefferson is really down on his brother and trying to, trying to denigrate him during this because he feels, I guess, kind of slighted by him. So the best way he can denigrate him by saying that he didn't see what he thought was obvious. When yes, technically you're right. You don't find a body, you know, in the real world. That that doesn't mean that oh, there's some sort of uh, malicious plot to, you know, go against you. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, and it's... also, if it was such a terrible plan, why did he do it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, and we'll get to the the specifics of the plan, which I, we were kind of wondering how the heck things worked out. And when we get to it, I don't know how you'll feel about it. But that comes later in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I'm still uh, waiting on page five, the reveal of the aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I just one more just one more thing I thought was interesting that uh how much faith that he uh that US has in his brother, like is on page four, like where he's um you know, he's like, I he would never have done anything to harm me unless unless you forced him to. What have you got to say to that? Which is basically so he's like, Oh, clearly everything, all of this is like it's all about it's like midnight, this basically is what he's saying. And it's not um and it's hard for him to to realize um how oblivious and how much of a of a jerk he's been to his brother i think over the years i mean not that that uh excuses jefferson's actions but still i think it's interesting that he's uh that he believes so much in his brother and i guess also in himself that uh that you know obviously he can't have possibly done anything wrong and i think you know We'll find that that maybe that's not exactly true. Yeah, it does kind of play into in the U.S. into Ulysses in the U.S. being kind of naive and not realizing that he was kind of being a jerk to his brother. But him jumping to the conclusion that the aliens are manipulating him, it, yeah, it does kind of smack of him just not getting the bigger picture. But yeah, we'll we'll get in we'll get more into that. Um. My note on page five is that first panel there, the aliens mm-hmm. say, oh, well, we don't want to be noticed. 
we don't want any passerby to mistake this alien ship as swamp gas or anything, you know, out of the ordinary. But of course, we'll project a giant hologram in the sky <laughs> that people can probably see for miles away and then try and let people explain that away. That's just that, that was just kind of goofy on mm-hmm. there. I really do like that hologram, though, the um, with the the color hold in the background that's all kind of kind of pinky and or I guess it's magenta, actually. But yeah. I mean, it's it, it looks really cool, even though you're right. That is the worst way to be secret. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. If they if they want to try and do this stealthily, plastering a giant, that's got to be at least 60, 70 foot, you know, hologram of some mm-hmm. weird, freaky alien. And if this is supposed to be, even if this is an off highway or off the main road thing, people are going to see that. But uh, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. After that, the the next note I have is on page six. Mm-hmm. Uh, that final panel there mm-hmm. that was just a weird. <laughs> as as they take the trucks and they're flying them back to the short stop, we get this one little panel of these two people making out, and it's it's such a sort of like fifties sci fi trope that. It didn't just it just seemed to be one of those things they threw in the book because they had an extra panel or it was just not really a clever joke. I mean, it just felt out of place in the book for me. I uh, like I want to disagree with you really hard like I do because um, because it 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 did uh, it did tickle my funny bone when I saw it. and, And, you know, I just thought, you know but but i think you think you're right like even though it may be funny for some people i don't think it, it really kind of like breaks up the flow and it doesn't quite well you know if the, it's if, not bad it's just like kind of a lazy gag i guess yeah i'll i'll give it to you there it doesn't it doesn't destroy the book and it's not unfunny it is a nice little comic beat but it just feels out of place at least for me if this were set as if this were supposed to be a sort of 1950s sci-fi movie, I could buy it a lot better. But since it's supposed to be set in the then modern day of the 80s, it could just be it could just be them doing a sort of callback because I know during the 80s, then this is commonplace for even now, things like 20 or 30 years before suddenly become popular again. So maybe they were just sort of aping that. Page seven, panel two. This was one of the things that kind of bugged me. And I I know the Marvel ideal of every comic could be someone's first thing. But here in, uh, like I said, the penultimate comic, having every person introduce themselves and refer to the other person by name and kind of get their own character beat down was just, again, sort of wasted space here. This is something that I think could have been filled with them doing something else rather than relating who everyone is. Because Mm -hmm. if you're just picking up issue 11 of what you would probably know would be a 12-issue thing, you know, having having people restate who they are in it is just kind of redundant, at least Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that uh, um, it it appears Mary's stolen one of... uh, retread thought balloons uh she says i'm not even certain of who i am anymore 
I'm sorry. I didn't no. <laughs> I just no. bought, I just, I just, I guess, I guess that one was not, I, I tried. I tried hard. <laughs> it's and... all good. It is all <laughs> it was good. not retread. just uh, awful. Uh, in fact, he's, he's so awful on, on the next page on page eight. It's wrong for me to think this, but wouldn't it, wouldn't have kind of made you just a little happy if the truck had just been a few feet forward and, actually hit retread on that panel i mean i mean i'm not saying that i want people to die but if something accidental happened to retread in the book and he was no longer in it i i don't think i'd be too sad i mean it would be an accident i don't i'm not actively looking for something bad to happen to him but if something did yeah Yeah, no i wouldn't feel too bad either okay interesting though that um he did uh like i think probably for the first time ever he did actually ask a useful question what i think is he's like you know how did you get your truck to fly what happened to the highwaymen and what happened to those aliens in the spaceship i which are all questions that yeah I they're think we're all we're all wondering yeah they're they're, they're very pertinent to the another thing that i noticed on the on this page on that first panel they've got i think they've got the names mm-hmm. of the creators uh, on the uh on the marquee banner for the shortstop except and I don't know if they just misspelled it, but it looks like they misspelled Milgram because it looks like Springer and Esposito on there. But Milgram is G-R-O-M, the last three letters, and the letter before that looks like an N. Uh-huh. So I don't know whether they're just mixing things up or that was a printing error or a lettering error or what, but it's yeah, obviously... Probably something, to... yeah, either either Springer or the letterer did I'm by accident, I'm probably assuming, because I don't think you could have a... There wouldn't be a printing error that would would make something like that happen. Yeah, true. Um, after that, I don't have anything till page ten. You got anything on page nine? Nah. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I guess I guess I, um I I do like the backgrounds in the in the in the top and the bottom of it. They're not, those are nice. It's mm-hmm. nice to see backgrounds. We don't see them enough from Springer, unfortunately. Yeah, but, uh... that's true. It, <laughs> it it gets a little better in the next book, but yeah, the the it's nice that he has put a few more uh, backgrounds, put a little bit more effort into it. Uh, although in the two middle panels, the backgrounds are pretty sparse, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's it's a lot better. Um, page ten. The note that I have on there is, I, I think they. Well, no, I think it's later in the book that they uh, changed around the uh, characters because I think they misquoted them. But on page uh, on on that page in the first in the second panel, there is just some wonky art with uh, the vulture or whoever the heck he is. I can't remember if he's clutch or grab, but his mm-hmm. mouth just looks all creepy. It looks it looks like he had that sort of. Um, matrix mouth that keanu reeves did after agent smith first questioned him where it went all rubbery and closed shut it's just weird looking there Mm -hmm. the artwork's kind of wonky but uh yeah that's that's the only note i have on there Mm. and then i really really like the first panel though that's a really nice one that the um it looks pretty good i mean the rest of it's kind of a a mess but i do like the because in the first one they have all the the three of them like looking down through the window of of the blimp onto the shortstop, the trucks, and the spaceship, and it's got all of them in there, and there's all the little people, and it's it's really nice. Um, but yeah, there's definitely still some 
some mm. some weaknesses in the art. Yeah. Um, the next note I have is on page twelve. Uh, my note on page twelve is the fact that the alien teleports Baron von. Uh, I can't even say his name. Baron von Blimp and all his sort of Nazi goons right into the middle of downtown Tel Aviv. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think that's a nice little ironic end. And I know, that's I mean, maybe they are really going for easy comics thing. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> I mean, that's really great, though. I mean, like, when I saw that I, uh, the first time, I was like, yes! Because, I mean, like, what what better to, you know, just... Mm-hmm. Drop a bunch of Nazis down in the in in the middle of uh yeah, they, of Israel. They, I'm sure nothing bad will happen to them now. No, I think they're going to be going to be welcomed with open arms. <laughs> no, but yeah, I thought that was a nice little nice little touch there. Um, then after that, I don't have anything till page fourteen. Uh, they've got the you know the alien, and after he's transported the Nazis away, wakes up the truckers but gives them indigestion. And I guess uh, on page 13 here, you got a, the panel of the truckers holding their stomach and one of them mm-hmm. sticking their tongues out. So the, the artwork's pretty nice on those panels. Yeah. And also I was, I was wondering, you know, yes, the, uh, the shortstop may be able to, to survive all the, uh, the carnage and the damage and the uh, stack of windows in the back room, but can they survive the Yelp reviews? oh because really i mean like that's the thing i mean like those they are they are they are not in a good place now Now, (laughs) even if they had the money that would be very bad for them i think and you and you know reviews from truckers are always the highest ones on on yelp that's that's the ones that everyone pays attention to so yeah i mean i guess they would if it's a truck stop and well true um the next the next thing that I have is on page 14. I guess it's the fourth panel there. Is It's all the guys, Clutch, Grab, and Legreed, sitting in the truck with this trucker who is himself kind of a big guy. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of burly. He's very broad-chested and, you know, but, but all of them are sitting in the cab of this truck. Now, I know semi-trucks are pretty big, and you could probably pit, fit three people across very easily, but these are big guys. I mean, Legreed himself is like we pointed out, is like a Newt Gingrich type person. No, that's one of the. I mean, Legreed is the guy who looks like Uh-oh. Norman Osborn. Okay, all right. Well, I guess or, whoever it is, yeah, yeah, whoever but, it is, like, one of the guys. But one of the guys, they're all not small people. And I mean, the the, all, the Vultry guy's kind of skinny, but yeah, he, but the other one, the other two are yeah, definitely big and, guys. And all four of these people are sitting in the cab of this trucker's truck which is like uh, he's got tardis technology going yeah i mean like it even looks like the the truck driver still has like a little bit of room to move Mm -hmm. almost the way that it's it's framed and it's like huh yeah it's kind of a weird yeah yeah it's it's interesting though to to, that they're passing themselves off as the health inspectors Mm mm-hmm and so they i was like uh they they should have done that in the first place though i think i think that would have helped a lot Oh uh, yeah, but who knows? Um, we don't want them to win anyway. True. And don't worry, they won't. Yeah, you, you, they, they, they'll get it in the end. You'll you'll find out about their final fate. Um, the next 
The next note I have is page 15, panel 2. The fact that the alien... The alien, first of all, was speaking in sort of CB speak, which I could understand. That's that's a way that he communicate uh, related to this book. But now, for whatever goofy reason, he's doing classic sort of Lee Kirby Thor speak with the barely I say and all that stuff. And it... I, I think it was supposed to be a different one, but I could be wrong. It, oh yeah, yeah, it might it might be an older, you know, a, 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 an older version of Thor, like the um, the what? sun. Uh, no, what? what? No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm thinking that the alien that's talking in Thor speak might actually be a different one than the one oh. that's talking in CB. Oh, okay. Because uh, as again, we're racist, we can't tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Well, but before, yeah, that's true. I guess we are kind of racist because we're assuming this is the same alien. I, I apologize. Sorry, any uh, botanical, the green-skinned aliens out there. I don't mean to, uh, you know, oppress you by not being able to notice differences between you. That's that's my bad there. But I yeah, do, I, th- I do like though that he does actually he does actually call it Midgard. <laughs> I did find that. Yeah, I I agree. I did find that kind of amusing. But yeah, we get the reveal of Jefferson being the one that they chose for their sort of intergalactic federation. And I really didn't have any notes until uh, page 17, panel four, which I think is a really good. This, this, in fact, is I think is some of the best artwork Springer did in the book. It's a really good image of Jefferson here. And the line work looks really good. You know, there's not much of a background, but the look on his face is just really classic. I like it there. Uh, sorry, where, where, where's that? Uh, page 17, panel 4, where uh, Jefferson has his fist in front of his face. Uh, it's just a single panel of his uh, of his face on there. I, I, I think that's some of the better artwork in here. Oh, yeah, no, that's nice. Did you have anything uh, before that or anything you wanted to go back on? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, nah, I think we've covered it all, so. Okay. Then moving on, uh, pages 18 and 19, we get kind of Jefferson's view of what was going on in, in his early life and how US1 was, or how US was always the golden boy and he was always playing second fiddle and no matter what US could do, he was always the smartest, he was always the best, and you can... In these panels, you can kind of sympathize with Jefferson. You can kind of get that, yeah, he was, if not completely justified, there was at least some justification for why he would have, hold a grudge against his brother. I mean, not a grudge to a level where he'd want to fake his death and join an alien race and try and kill him at every opportunity. But yeah, to, you mm-hmm. know, and couldn't he have just talked it out with him and said, look, dude. You know, I, I worked my butt off to try and help you get through college. The least you could do would be apply yourself rather than make up this bizarre scheme of killing yourself off and replacing yourself with a dummy in a alien truck to try and kill me. It's uh, what I'm saying, folks, is communicate. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the way to work things out. And and even that thing, like, because on that last panel of of eighteen, where he's like, I I thought that we were friends, and uh, and and then the next page, Jefferson's like, I guess you weren't paying attention. I resented you. I hated you. And I'm like, 
Um, that's those things are t- pretty far apart. Like sometimes it's hard to tell whether someone likes you or not, but um, it's it's hard to get confused by um into thinking that you know some someone's your best friend and but actually they hate you like i mean unless unless they're trying to do that and i don't think jefferson really was so i'm not it's kind of weird in that sense or like so it's like say us archer how dumb was he mm-hmm. you know it's it, but it's also it's kind of sad though because you're like oh i mean they are are their brothers and uh you know the one hates the other and the other one is just now finding out and it's it's not pretty mm-hmm. it's 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 really kind of sad and touching and in a way that you know you would say oh uh a trucker uh uh a a, a toy truck tie in comment a toy truck tie-in comic couldn't be this, you know, actually moving, and it is because, you know, I think I think Milgram is is doing the best with with what he's got, and and I think it really shows in some of this stuff that you know it is in in the end um, a lot a lot more moving than you would expect from the silly premise and the other things that are around. That's, that's very true. I, I'll have to give you that. Um, page 20, we get the answer to how Jefferson could have been in the rig with us on the night when the crash happened. And it's kind of, it's kind of a cheese ball ending. It's like there was a, a dummy driving the truck. It's, it's kind of one of those wah, wah, wah reveals that just, you you would have expected a little bit better, but uh, it makes sense. It's an mm-hmm. easy throwaway thing, but uh. yeah, I do really love that last panel though with the, of all the, I guess I guess now we know they're alien agents or whatever, or but 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 all the of all the, uh, the the devil guys like walking down to the burning truck. It's mm-hmm. that just looks really cool. Yeah. And then we get the reveal that the aliens were the one who implanted the CB skull, which since the aliens did it, would that, would they have had to file that on, you know, Papa Wheelie's and Annie's insurance? I mean, wouldn't that just be something the aliens did? Or I, I don't know. I, I guess I shouldn't think about medical insurance at this time. Cause I, cause I thought that Annie and, and Papa or Papa Wheelie and Annie were the ones who kind of paid for that, and that's why the the shortstop was in such debt. But I don't know. Uh, insurance. Who knows? And, but, uh, but it is, yeah, it is. And the, so I guess now we know why the guy was, uh, you know, telling them to go away too. That was probably another alien. Oh, guy that's too. true. Uh, but uh, that's all the notes I have. Do you have any more on this? Uh, I guess I just I, mean, I do like the the. the like ha- or two the two thirds splash on the last page with the alien lifting his fist up to the sky and the two brothers going ah and everyone else going ah and it's you know and and there's just the big you know he's making a big pink sparkly thing 
And and then of course the tagline for the for then in the next issue box is US one, love it or leave it. Be here next time to settle the final issue. And I just oh, that's different. <laughs> because I think that's sort of I don't know, that's sort of how I feel about about US one, though I guess maybe not about other things, but but yeah, you definitely uh love it or leave it. Like if you really think this is terrible, then uh don't read it. Uh don't don't waste your time. But you know, I think there's uh, yeah. There, 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 there's plenty things. of things to love. Oh, I agree. I th- uh, let's go ahead and take a quick look at the ads, and we'll go through yeah. this. Um, the inside, the front inside cover is is an advertisement for Atari Soft video games, which were basically the major video games that you could get play on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. They've mm-hmm. got Centipede, Donkey Kong, Defender, Dig Dug, Pac Man. Robotron 2084, some some really cool games. And basically, if you didn't have the Atari 2600, you couldn't play these games until Atari Soft, Atari Soft started releasing them for other consoles. Now, however, this this advertisement does have I don't know how they were able to slip this by the people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but in the first panel, <laughs> yep the the name of the game that the kid is playing or ask what the kid is playing is manholes of venus yes <laughs> now think about that kids manholes of venus is mm-hmm. a game that this kid is playing i'm sorry manholes of venus is a website that you probably should never be going to well oh i was gonna say i was gonna say i was i was gonna say into I, that yeah as i thought that was um uh that was one of the videos I saw in the in the section of the video store when there was such a thing behind the curtain. You know. Yeah, you, you have to be 18, and you, you know the floors are all sticky. It's mm-hmm. not a place where you want to go. But yeah, I, 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 you know, at the time as a kid, I probably wouldn't have got it. But now, as an adult reading Manholes of Venus, I'm like, how did they get this past the comics code? Because that is just <laughs> ridiculous. I don't know, though. Uh, though honestly, it's I know it's hard to believe in in this day and age, but honestly, they could have uh, written that and just been so you know nobody noticed it because like there are some there are many. Like at, like I remember there was someone was talking about um, on some something I don't remember what, but there, but there was like a, uh, like but there like an ad that was going on that was like, you know, really, uh, really creepy, and then uh, you know, and it and it got like pulled, uh, it got like pulled the next day because they re- once they saw it on television they realized how messed up it was and like not how, how many like not okay things were could be inferred from it and i'm, I'm oh, it's blanking well, my mind but i mean but you know there's been there's been a lot of stuff like that where you look at it through a different filter and you can see the kind of right right then that's the, just one line so yeah you know, that, that art is terrible though i mean there's some weird i mean i guess it's not all I may be being too harsh on it, but like the art in that ad, like there's some, like, especially in that last panel, there's some weird faces. Like the the kid with the brown hair is like, you know, looks like he's been exposed to Joker gas or something. <laughs> yes. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, and and Maxi looks kind of doofy there. He looks like he looks like a sort of 
you know, just not all there, Jimmy Olsen. It's just not good. The next ad that they've got is for Oreo cookies, which I guess is a coloring ad. Oh, yes. It even It even says, for more fun, color in this page, which kids don't color in your comic books. Just, mm-hmm. just a hint. I really do like, I mean, like, I don't know, like, it's kind of, that's a nice little one. Like, that's, that's not creepy or weird or anything like that. It's no. fairly normal, actually. It's just, and I kind of like the, the motif of putting Oreos everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun. Uh, the next ad we've got is the HodgePodge page. And one of the things I thought was interesting here was uh, this has in the middle of it a ad for uh, mail order comic books. And it's got what looks to be the the black suited Spider-Man. And I think this was just right around the time because I think either in either this month or the next month was like the issue of Secret Wars that had the Hulk cover where the Hulk's holding up the mountain and the rest of the Marvel heroes are underneath it. Mm-hmm. So Secret Wars was just going on during this time, and I guess mm-hmm. the black well, suited Spider-Man if, came out. If you don't if you remember, um that actually, I mean, that all the all the titles did like a one, I don't know what how many it was, like one year later or something, oh, yeah. whatever. And so, so technically, I mean, even if the the black costume had not appeared in the Secret Wars series, it had actually appeared in the uh, Spider-Man comics okay. at the time. So that's, pro- I mean, that's probably why it was okay. Then, then the next page is another hodgepodge with a bunch of sort of 88 cents gag gifts. You've got the squirting pen and, you know, vanishing ink and stuff like that. But then they've got a, what is this? These uh, 11 by 14 prints of, I guess, different characters featuring Wolverine, the Danger Room, Alpha, Alpha Flight, and the Phoenix. I guess it's a I guess it's ads for comic books, and then they've got uh, comics unlimited uh, comics pricing guide. So that's kind of interesting there. Mm-hmm. Next ad is for a little advertisement for Micronauts, and I don't know. I think they said in later in the bullpens they were ending the Micronauts series and uh, starting a new Micronauts book. So I don't know if this is. You know, kind of an ad for the last bit of that series or for the new one, because it doesn't say Micronauts, the new adventures or whatever it was. I think, yeah, I think because the ad is weird because it does say, I think it, I believe the title is The New Voyages. Yes, The New Voyages, right. And, but it, yeah, I mean, it definitely says beginning in June, so I don't hmm. know. But, um, and which I'm, I mean, like, they're not going to say ending in whatever because. True. It's, it's, I mean, I guess. And they've I like also got, and they've got a burn storm on there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the comic book convention. Uh, you know, some of the ones. Uh, I guess they've got one in Rochester, New York. Uh, so Chris Honeywell yeah. could have gone to that when he was sick. Well, I don't know if he was living. Yeah, I don't Rochester think he. Li- I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. But I, don't, uh, start... I was just like, as I say, I say like I know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I know but, he lives there now, but yeah. I don't know if that. But Star anyway. Trek and Doctor Who are the two uh, main things, and uh, now Star Trek and Doctor Who are popular again. You know what? Almost what thirty years later. So yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, after that, this is a bizarre ad on the next page. Now it's got kind of cool because it's got the Mattel uh, Marvel superheroes. Those are all fun. Uh, they've got it looks like Kang, Iron Man, 
Magneto. I, th- I think that's Magneto. Red. Uh, yeah, I think so. The Wolverine, uh, Doc Ock, Captain America, Doctor Doom without a cape, which is weird, and Spider-Man. They've all got these little shields on their hands, so mm-hmm. kind of neat. But the well, that's, weird... that's yeah, that's because that wasn't that part of the uh, Secret Wars line that all of them had. A I think that might have been. Yeah. Yeah, and that, then we have. Oh, sorry. What? I was gonna say the 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 one thing that I was kind of weird about was this comic world ad where the print is just uh-huh. so yeah. small that I can't even. I know it's like it's like just de- dis- destroying the uh, eyesight of children for <laughs> since 1985. Yeah. Well, apparently, look, I can see one of them there. It's they have the uh, Fantastic Four roast number one. Oh, that's always a good one. Yeah, uh, I, I was I was glad to hear. I have the big uh, Hembeck book that's got all the stuff. I don't know if that's in there, though. I'm not sure. Mm. Like the big, the, like it came out from Image. I think it's like a big, you know, like the phone book thing. It's got all the different oh, Hembeck cartoons from stuff. But anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> the next ad, I think we've covered it uh, before. It's the uh, the uh, Navy Task Force that has all the different uh, naval ships, aircraft characters, and characters carriers and destroyers and stuff we've covered that before yeah i still Uh, wish i could get one of those (laughs) it's so cool i i I, even at my age i still think that's great (laughs) the bullpen bulletins have got some some really cool uh, books coming out this this time the hype box uh hypes up transformers limited series number one uh by bill mantlow frank springer and kim demolder Plus, they've got the uh, Power Pack number one coming out by uh, Louise Simonson and Bob Wyachek. So, mm-hmm. some, a couple of big premieres here. Yeah, special, special double size issue. Cool. And and then there's in the middle they've got that High Adventure, which I don't know what it is, but like now that I've seen it, heard about it, and and seen the ad that's on the inside back cover, like I really want to find that. I think I must be like, like a magazine or something, mm. I guess. But um. It's just got like uh, yeah, four stories of swashbuckling adventure in the most exotic places in the world and crafted with tender, loving care by the best writers and artists in the business. This book has been nearly a year in the making, and we think it's well worth the wait. It's got stories by Steve Engelhart, Anne Nascenti, Mike Carlin, and Louise Simonson, and art by John Severin, Tony Summons, Jerry Talaylock, I don't know if he's done anything, and Steve Laleha. So that's some that's some that's some quality people work on. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then they've got a little thing for, and I, this is probably a little bit before your time, but the Quest Probe stuff, uh-huh. which were basically video games that were it was kind of video game storybooks, and I think they might have been sort of choose your own adventure type stuff where you. Type it. It was, or maybe not choose your adventure. Maybe I'm thinking more like Zork or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yep, that's yeah. I mean, like, I've, I mean, it's certainly something I've heard of. I've never, I mean, never had opportunity to play it, or because yeah, because that's my, well, well before my time. But yeah. interesting though, it says that it's um, uh, that it says that first issue is uh, remarks the return of John Romita Senior to mainstream Marvel comics. And apparently he's finishing and inking the pencil layouts of Mark Grunewald. I didn't even know he drew. Huh. Yeah, neither did I. I did Mark, yeah, that's, that is kind of odd. Hmm. But yeah, Quest Probe, yeah, interesting. But uh, then, oh, I, I really enjoy the artwork here. Uh, the next ad is for uh, the New Mutants, and it's got the cover copy, Don't Call Them X-Babies Anymore. And they've got this 
really lovely uh, image, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz image of the X of the New Mutants there, and I I love the sort of weird, trippy, stylized version of them, but how they also look very almost photo realized. It's really good, uh, you know. At least for me, Sienkiewicz artwork is just really really that really very different from anyone else mm-hmm. in the comic book media. I agree. And I, I like Bill Sienkiewicz. I don't know. It's just something about this thing that just does not do it for me. I don't really? know. But maybe that's just, I don't know. Like there's just something about the, maybe it's just like the, all the shadows just seem really weird and like the, like coming on weird place. And that just may just be just me that it's just, it's bugging and maybe it shouldn't. I don't know. I mean, I like, I mean, I like the way he uses the pen and stuff, but I mean, mm. like, there's, there's definitely, it just looks, it looks a little weird. I don't know. Like, and it looks like, uh, like Danny Moonstar has a mustache <laughs> thing. I don't know. Just cause I mean, it actually looks like they all have mustaches from the way it's lit. And maybe that's mm. what bugs me. I don't know. Could be. I mean, it's, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being, uh, but, uh, the next ad we have is the, uh, subscription page which has uh she hulk mr fantastic the human torch the invisible woman i guess and like the top the head and a couple of fingers of the thing advertising i'm assuming that's also supposed to be willie lumpkin i'm assuming you're right he is delivering mail so you've got to assume that's willie lumpkin there but it's an ad for the for the marvel Mm -hmm. comics of the time and uh it's not bad i don't think it doesn't look like burn art, even though it's got the characters. Uh, I really, think? I think it is. I don't really? know. I mean, like, I don't know if, I mean, obviously I don't think John Byrne spent a lot of time on it, it but might. like, I think, I mean, especially the, the She-Hulk face really makes me think that it is, but well, yeah. I, could, I could be wrong. Could See, be wrong. I was looking more at the, uh, the Sue Richards thing and that's, uh, it could be just that because is, that it's, is really weird. Yeah. That's pretty, it's, it's pretty sloppy. Long. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, maybe the rest of them could be burned, but maybe but then it's someone just trying to uh, imitate burn, and in some places it works better than others. I mm-hmm. don't know. But then the back inside cover is the uh, thing that we mentioned in the bullpen bulletins, the amazing high adventure mm-hmm. thing, and this looks really cool. It looks very pulpy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like them. The, co- the cover is like a, a, a conquistador fighting against uh, like an Aztec or a Mayan warrior with like a. A stone helmet and it looks really great mm-hmm. i don't know who who's doing that art specifically i yeah it doesn't uh you know they've got little circles where they've got the characters i guess inglehart and john severin did one and the sentient salamons or salmons mm-hmm. and then simonson and Lealoa and carlin and talalock I don't know. I'm one of those. I, I mean, cause I think that's actually that's a like a a native uh, yeah so, so name that it's like and that's like uh, oh, a- Aztec or whatever kind of name. Yeah. So I don't know, but that but that doesn't seem to be drawing the story with Aztecs in it. So I don't know. No, but they say the covers by again by Bill Sinkevitz. So it's a, oh yeah yeah yeah. No, I see it. I see it. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's a nice. It, I will admit I like this art better. I, I like the XB, the the New Mutants art, but I like this a lot better. This is really good here. Mm-hmm. And then the outside back cover is just, it's an advertisement for a, a 900 line for Parker Brothers video games. And I guess if you wanted help on trying to figure out how to do things on Parker Brothers video games, you could grab your parents' 
credit card. Well, I guess you didn't even need a credit card at the time. Just had to call the number and they'd automatically charge your phone bill. So you could figure out about Parker Brothers video games. And mm-hmm. and then apparently up. there's all sorts of other uh, classy graffiti uh, on uh, on the uh, on thing. There's even apparently a a limerick about about Super Cobra, which I can't read because it's too darn small. But yeah, that's true. And then they've got the one. Gonna, yeah. And then they've got one saying Gyrus is coming. And Gyrus used to be one of my favorite games. It's the one where you just—it's basically Space Invaders, but you spin around in a circle shooting things. Sure. And uh, I don't even recall if this ever came out. But if it did, I would have loved to have played it because that was one of my favorite games in the arcade. But yeah, that does it for uh, issue eleven. Uh, if you're ready, I think uh, we'll go ahead and take a quick break here and then mm-hmm. play a couple of promos and come on back for the final issue number 12 you've decided to go to a nearby restaurant you ask the hostess to seat you in a booth as you sit you notice an animated conversation among the four seated behind you they're talking about Star Wars and Doctor Who and something called the Laugh Olympics These are the people you used to pants in high school, and yet you cannot help listening. Unable to tear your ears away, you realize you've just been sucked into the Dinner for Geeks. Dinner for Geeks, weekly at twotruefreaks.com. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen. And I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterbin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. And we're, we're back with our final issue for this episode and our final issue for the show, uh, issue number 12 of US1. The title is The Truck Stops Here. With this cover date of October 1984, released on July 3rd, 1984. Uh, written by Al Milgram. Art by Steve Ditko, with inks by Danny Bulinati. I, th- I think that's how you pronounce that. Um, lettering by Janice Chang. Colors by George Russos. Machio and Shooter are the editors. And Michael Golden does the lovely cover. Uh, and we'll start our synopsis right here. Uh, so we, we open with U.S., Papa, and the alien modifying U.S. 1 to fly under its own power. Jeff comes into the garage, and a short conversation is all it takes for Papa and Annie to need to pull apart the two brothers. Jeff leaves to get ready. Papa and Annie commiserate over how they have failed with Jeff and the shortstop, but that at least U.S. turned out all right. 
Clutch, Grav, and the Greed stop by to gloat over their victory, but they soon are fleeing from an enraged Annie. Papa and Annie come into another shouting match between Mary and Taryn, where Taryn insults Mary's coffee, blames her for her actions as Midnight, and calls her a nappy pamby wimp. They are really tired of this, and just sort of sit there, sad. Retread uh, and U.S. sit outside and talk about what might come if he wins, but pretty soon Retread falls asleep. In the m- morning, the girls, Retread, Annie, and Papa wish U.S. luck, and he tries to shake his brother's hand before the race, but Jeff refuses. They race neck and neck until they reach a narrow two-lane road. Jeff keeps going in the wrong lane, but he takes to the air to to avoid an oncoming car. U.S. lifts off too, but soon takes a nasty hit from behind as he is rammed by the black rig. The impact knocks U.S. from the cab, sending him plummeting to his death. In the nick of time, however, U.S. realizes he can still control his truck and mentally commands it to dive under him and he falls comfortably into the cab. U.S. uses a squirt of oil slick to temporarily blind Jeff and moves into a place slightly above and in a blind spot of the black rig. Jeff is confused but turns on his sensors and finds U.S. Jeff hits the air brakes to let U.S. blow past him and starts firing missiles. U.S. dodges them but gets caught by the shockwave. He's learning but not fast enough. It passes a spot that opens out into open space, and U.S. realizes that Jeff is scared of it too, so U.S. decides to blaze his own trail. Jeff is getting queasy, but he vows to take out U.S. no matter what. Jeff revs up the black rig to ram U.S. more, but his mind betrayed him, giving U.S. the time he needed to avoid the truck, which is now going full speed towards the moon, where he crashes. U.S.'s concern for his brother reaches the aliens who manage to grab Jeff with a tractor beam. The alien offers U.S. the opportunity to be a space trucker, and Retread convinces the alien to let him come along, unfortunately. Papa and Annie realize how lonely they'll be and wish they could come along, and the alien is only too happy to fulfill their wishes by letting them run a shop Oh, sorry. Letting them run a truck stop and diner in space. Mary wants to come too, and the alien agrees. She asks Taryn to come, but Taryn knows she's not ready. The alien lifts up the shortstop and sends it into space. Clutch, Grab, and the Greed come to claim their land, only to find that it has a strange glow, and they run, terrified of possible radiation contamination. As the series closes, we see U.S. and Retread driving the spaceways, and Papa, Annie, and Mary are celebrating their new place, the bubble-enclosed Star Stop. And that is the end of issue twelve of US One. Um, you know, it wasn't an overly 
I'm not saying it wasn't a satisfying ending, but it was kind of, it wasn't what I was expecting. It, it wasn't bad. I'm I'm not saying that it was bad, but it was, it was just different, and it was kind of out there. Uh, the Steve Ditko artwork, I don't know what I was expect- expecting. I I don't think I should have expected like Amazing Spider-Man 33 type artwork, but it didn't. It didn't detract from the previous artwork. It wasn't radically different, so it melded in with it. It did have that sort of Ditko feel at times, but I don't think it was anything to really write home about. I think if you were to show to show this to someone who was a fan of Steve Ditko, they'd probably go, "Uh, this may not be his best work." But mm-hmm. overall, I thought you know it was mm-hmm. a decent ending. Maybe not uh, something spectacular. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree. I'm, th- I'm definitely about about the artwork. Like, I think I don't think it's necessarily even so much that Ditko has necessarily become a lesser artist, but I think it, he usually inks his own stuff, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Like, there's not nearly so much uh, um, of the the bold lines and that kind of and the brushwork and stuff that I'm, I'm used to seeing with Steve Ditko. So I, but I mean, I definitely, I see the, you know, under it, like the, the faces and stuff. I mean, the way that the, you know, the eyes and the, that, like that sort of thing are constructed. It's, it's very obviously him, even though it's, it is a little weird looking, obviously, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. And it's, it's nice. And I think, um, I like the ending. I mean, like, but, I mean, I guess as as we know, I'm a, a pretty big fan of Taryn, and I am I don't I don't really like what they did with her at the end. I just sort of was like, oh, okay. I mean, she's just like, oh no, I don't think I'm ready. I'm like, why not? Why I don't know. It didn't feel like it made a lot of sense for the character, and also for the selfish reasons of I really like the character. I thought that you know maybe she should have gotten a happier ending, but I don't know. Yeah, it did kind of seem sort of a letdown for Taryn, especially since everyone else in the book, everyone of the protagonists in the book, you know, gets right. to come along. Even like even doesn't. retread, but 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 well, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, oh, like retread gets to have fun in space, but Taryn's just like, nah, no, nah, I'm good. Uh, oh well. <sighs> anyway, but, uh, if you want to start out the cover again by mm-hmm. Michael Golden, he does an uh, you know. He does an excellent job with the character of of U.S. I think U.S. hasn't looked better on the cover. This is a really good, and yes, it's a a very campy sort of pose with him smiling and giving the thumbs up. But I think it it perfectly works for the comic. Well, I I, I think if I mean if you notice and you look back on the other things, it look it kind of reminds me of the uh, image of him in the cover box from all the other issues, and then in this one, the cover box has the truck in it, which I kind of like. Yeah, and that's true. It does it does look like a very much more detailed version of the cover box. And uh yeah, it's it's really great the artwork by Golden here. And again, it's got that sort of delineation that we talked about in the last issue where US one is really uh has got a sort of different look and the truck is more cartoony. It looks more animated. So you've got this sort of delineation between it. And plus being set out in the stars with it looks like the earth in the background and I don't know, some other planet in the I'm, ass- I'm assuming that's supposed to be Mars because it's awesome. red, and also it's the closest. Well, not the clo- closest because I think actually Venus is 
goes the other yeah. way. So maybe it's Venus. I don't know. But um, I mean, probably one of those though. Yeah, either imagine. way. But it's it's a good cover, and it's a nice it's a nice way to send off the the book in the final issue by giving you a more for, um, fully realized version of the corner box copy. So I like it. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. I think that the, the, the um cover copy is an ending like you'll never expect and unfortunately i think that it that kind of is sort of a letdown in a way because i feel like i did expect this ending and i'm not i mean maybe that's just you know because of you know looking back on it from so far away but i mean i think a lot of the other stuff did really seem to be i mean there was a lot of just throughout this run we've we've commented on how just freaking crazy this book is and like just weird stuff out of nowhere and the the you know the ending seemed a little bit maybe not crazy enough like i mean it was just sort of like oh and they'll just keep having their whatever like it didn't it didn't yeah it didn't it didn't go i'll agree with you it didn't go crazy enough it was just like oh they're gonna have the same sort of adventures that they've been having it's just in another location it's just in space so yeah, which I think I'll admit it's really cool, but still, I mean, like it, it, it uh, it, it's still like a, you know, like they could have, they could have gone crazier. I thought maybe they just, maybe they just didn't have enough space. I don't know. Could have been. Uh, page one, the opening splash. <laughs> uh, like I said in my commentary at the beginning, I don't think Ditko and Bolognati strayed too far from the character designs. You can see in there in the art especially like you said with the faces and the eyes that it's definitely a Ditko kind of look, but I like the fact that it didn't just radically change because a lot of times when I see that in my comics, I see one artist come in and do a certain style and another artist come in and do completely different. It kind of breaks up the flow of the book. So I'm glad that Ditko kind of kept the characters looking the same. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I just really, but it's a, a gorgeous splash page. I just love, it was like the alien lifting in the uh bringing down the engine and the harness and there's all this crazy bizarre machinery pieces all littered around everywhere i'm like i don't know what any of those things do and i like it that way <laughs> mm-hmm. well and i like I, I also like the fact that uh ditko has put a lot more effort into putting maybe not if backgrounds but at least putting more stuff to sort of give mm-hmm. it that sort of not really claustrophobic feel, but like there's more stuff lying around. I like, mm-hmm. I like the fact that he spent a little bit more time on the art. I will admit that retread looks a bit different, but I really don't care because I don't care about retread all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, my next note's not till page five. So if you've got anything between there and then, uh, go right ahead. Nope. Actually my neck, my notice, uh, uh, it's not until page five either. So okay. Um, page five. Uh, I think it's on panel seven. We've got uh, we've got Papa saying, after our all our hard work to make a go of this place, it's all just a dirty shame. I almost wish we could pull up stakes and start somewhere else. Hmm. Kids, this is in comic bookdom what we call foreshadowing. So. There you go. Mm-hmm. They will they'll be doing this surprisingly later in the book. Yeah. I mean, I admit that's certainly a, you know, it it is a bit on the nose, but I I do really um I really like this just the whole page where they're just like um 
you know, kind of talking about how, you know, at least, uh, you know, be, being frustrated at all the things that they've screwed up in the past and, but that, that they're still glad that one of their, you know, uh, their surrogate sons has, has turned out nice and they're, and they're proud of him and they're, they're glad. And that's, I don't know, it feels, I'm like, this is really the first time in the whole series where I'm actually like, okay, I like Papa Wheelie. I'm, I'm, I understand him. And I think I feel, you know, this is way different from the like kind of, you know, idiot messing around jackass from the first issue that Mm -hmm. we both really hated. And like, I, I don't know. I feel like I, you know, I'm understanding more where he's coming from and it doesn't, you know, he he feels more flushed out and like uh, someone that I, well, I, I, think, I, I started out, I mean, I really, I did hate the character and I, I, I actually kind of like him now, which is kind of weird to feel. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Milgram, I, I won't say he's grown as a character, but I think Milgram is writing him in a way at the ending of this book that he's more fatherly to us rather than just being some character who's kind of a, a bumpkin who's just in the story for, cheap you know almost redneck humor laughs he's actually you're actually seeing him drawn as you know a a loving surrogate father character and you can kind of you know i don't want to parallel this with superman because i don't think it's fair but you can kind of see in in the characters of annie and papa as sort of the kids they're Mm -hmm. they're surrogate parents to this to this hero and you know, I'm certain Michael Bailey, if he ever listened to this, is going to jump through the internet and slap me for com- making the comparison. But there, there kind of is. Okay, there. I'll, I'll go, I'll go with you that, and maybe I'll say something that might, might make it a little less, uh, uh, might make him hate us a little less. Um, okay. Which is to say, I'm, I, I, I totally agree that they are like the Kent, and I think obviously, you know, Milgram is maybe not, you know, they're not, they're not quite there yet as far as what, you know. Well, yeah. doing, but but uh, but yes i totally understand i mean it is kind of that thing of it, it's not as much because you know even that u.s is really like superman at all because i don't think that he really is other than they want to do good uh, otherwise i don't think there's really all that much about them that's similar but um i think it really is kind of one of those cases of you know superman started it and like the idea of of the orphaned hero and that that has you know surrogate parents and that kind of thing that I mean it goes goes back to Superman and you can see it in, in Spider Man and in, in in Batman even with with Alfred and that kind of thing and so I, yeah. I don't I don't think it's uh you know I, 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 this may not be the best uh part of the of the uh of the progression like you know these are not the best examples of that archetype but i mean i think it's an archetype that was there for you know and and that he's using and they they're they're starting to fill that role in 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 ways that maybe they haven't up to this point yeah i'll agree that's that's kind of i'm glad you used that term i think that's what what they're hitting on there that the the characters of papa and annie are archetypes much like the kents are in in the adoptive parents that want to make sure that their son is doing good. And mm-hmm. yeah, you hit it on you hit it on the head. That's the same thing that they did with, you know, Aunt May and Uncle Ben 
same thing they did with, you know, Alfred as, you know, the caretaker. So yeah, that, 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 I guess that's more of what I'm kind of going that they've yeah. taken that archetype and put it in this sort of okay. silly story about a, 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 a trucker and his magic truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, oh, so we're going to go on to the next page then? Yep. Uh, and, uh, there, I mean, and I guess, and now we see, um, exactly why a wide load Annie is not Aunt May and is not Ma Kent because, uh, she would not, uh, n- none of those women would do this. And that's why I like wide load Annie though. Uh, I think. <laughs> Cause, I yeah. Mean, I don't think, I don't think either of those characters ever threatened to beat in the head of someone with a, with a giant wrench, which Annie was willing to do in prior issues. So mm-hmm. yeah, she's got a bit more of a temper than I think Ma Kent ever, ever did. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I don't know if, I don't know if, uh, that Ma Kent had these, these jokers, uh, harassing her all the time either well, uh, yeah that's true that i think that may have you know, turned ma Kent's attention a little bit yeah um I, I say i think it's interesting though that uh that actually under uh steve ditko's pencil that I, I would say that that um the guy that we keep saying looks like the vulture looks lot a lot less like the vulture than uh, than uh under the other other artists that have been here. Which is kind you of know, that is surprising. And uh, also the character that looked like Norman Osborn, I think, Does actually not look like looks Norman like Norman Osborn. Even. Yeah, he doesn't have the Norman Osborn hair. So that's weird that Ditko, the man who you, you would more associate with drawing those characters, doesn't draw those characters looking like them. So that's it's kind of neat that he maybe he was just like, no, I'm not going to draw them like these characters. They're not them. I'm not going to ape that style. So, uh. and and also, I like I do like how they leave at the end of that too. It's like, um, or we have some paperwork to attend to. Oh, and the other guys, yeah, yeah, right. That's that's what we have to do <laughs> because they realize what a stupid, stupid idea it was to go and taunt her because <laughs> it is a very bad idea. She is basically going to kill them. Yep. Um, one of the negative things I, and it happens a couple of times in the artwork here, and, uh, you can see it on the next page, on page seven, panel two. You get this thing where you get a shot of the characters from the back, but they have their heads turned in a way so you can see their faces, and it's just, just the image of it. It's Mary here on panel two where she's got. Yeah, I know. It looks, I mean, it looks like she's pulling a Linda Blair or something. I mean, like, 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 I mean, it's not quite as bad as it could be, but like, yeah, like that looks like, I mean, if she's not breaking her neck, pulling that pose, it's gotta be extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. It's just a bit of weird artwork. And I think the coloring also, detracts from it as well because mary's face looks very pale Uh, all the rest of the characters have that sort of light peach skin tone to them and mary's face here just looks sort of like they didn't get the coloring and and her her face is not that color other panels so it almost looks like someone who just came in grabbed mary and like snapped her neck or something and now she's just pale because she's dead just sitting there but then she's alive in the next panel so who knows maybe that's why the coffee didn't taste that good yeah but yeah this is kind of this is another kind of a uh, moment like not like not like it's bad but like it really is kind of well just it's kind of nasty like in the way that not um yeah it's it's 
in the final in the final book that Taryn is still being just really crude to Mary is just kind of upsetting. But you know, every, everyone else's character has seemed to at least progress some bit throughout the storyline. Like we were talking about, you know, Papa and Annie. You know, their character is growing a bit throughout the story, but Taryn has just stayed sort of the the angry female truck driver, which is which is kind of sad. No, oh, and then I guess maybe that does feed into what what happens to her at the end, though. I guess in I, some way. I mean, like I'm not sure. I, I still don't like it, but like it's still like it makes sense. Where she's like, you know, you know, she still feels like you know she's not ready. It's not it's not her time. She's at least I think realized how she's being terrible. Like because like I think a lot of the other times when you know she's being a jerk to Mary, like a lot of times like it's funny and. Uh, and it, in some ways, you kind of feel like Mary might deserve it a little bit in the fa- in that you know you're just like, ugh. I mean, Mary's just so boring and so not willing to do anything at all. But you know, like when it when it comes out again here, like it just feels ugh because you're like, oh, it's not funny anymore. It's it's just sad and like. And I think that's, I mean, we need, I don't know, but it's just, yeah. it's rough. And like, cause it, it, it's not smart. She's not, you know, making insightful things, you know, she's not poking at Mary's actual character flaw. She's like, uh, you're a wimp and, and your, your coffee tastes bad. And it's like, you can feel how, how forced th- this is from, mm-hmm. and from them. And, and it's just sad, actually. I mean, to see to see Papa and Annie because they're just like, they're just so depressed this whole time. They're like, why won't these girls stop? They just have these, like, you know, mm-hmm. like they just came, they just came from watching a Holocaust documentary or something. Like they're <laughs> so sad, so uh, sad. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah. But anyway, that's uh, it's something. Well, less, let's, less upsetting. And well, I don't know how less upsetting is because the next page we oh, get we get oh, interaction. Oh, come on! This is fun. I'm sorry. What with oh, okay. with with retread and and I don't know whether or not you know retreads acid hallucinations are rubbing off on us because in that what one two three that sixth panel on the page we see kind of a quasi ditko s Doctor Strange thing going around where mm-hmm. US is waxing poetic about being amongst the stars and he's got these sort of balloons popping all over everything. Then on the final panel, we get the thing that Retread was just wicked high and has fallen asleep under a tree. So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. What do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, I guess... I, I mean, uh, this, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, it's... I understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, I'm like, I I do like the little Ditko-y touches where like, I was like, oh, did did US get a contact high or something? I mean, <laughs> he's really like crazy stuff going on. That's kind of and what then, I felt. And then and then just yeah, that he's just not. I mean, like yeah, I'm like, so what? Has he been? He's been getting into the heroin again, and he's nodding off. I mean, I guess, I don't know, like that that dumb 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 kid. Uh, he should do less drugs. Yes. Don't do drugs again. I mean, because it's really weird because you can't, I mean, this is like in a weird position because I mean, like, I think, I don't think it's just us. I mean, I think clearly 
this character is supposed to be some kind of like stoner burnout and it's not like you know we're not just making this up or reading too much into it i don't no. think but i think then it, then the problem becomes because uh you know it's not uh comics haven't necessarily progressed to the point where it's okay to make fun of that or to or or to like i mean i guess to have you know like the excuse me the 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 humorous uh drug addict or whatever like it's not that's not something you can get away with but also there's nothing in the story where you can like have have him have like a kind of uh some kind of emotional moment where he realizes that he's messed up and he's doing too much drugs and that kind of thing because that's just not the kind of story that this is or that's not and that's not the kind of character that retread is and I think that's, I mean, as much as I don't like him as a character, I think he is sort of hurt by that, too, because he can't have the, I mean, they can't go all the way to make it, uh, make him uh, entertaining from that, from the standpoint of just being a, a stoner, but also you can't really have any, like, emotional growth because again that's just not the kind of character he's that so i feel like you know he's just not as much as i don't like him he's not being serviced by the story i don't think yeah it's sad because you couldn't have a sort of denny o'neill neil adams uh cover of us one with uh us walking <laughs> in on on retread yes. and going oh no my trucker friend is a junkie <clears throat> sadly you can't have that happen but yeah but you know that would have been great. You know, like they could have done that. That could have been instead of issue three. That would have been better, right? And then I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have had a problem with that at all. <laughs> I think that. I think if they would have aped that, I thought that would have been that might have been kind of cool. Uh, the next note I have is on page ten. Do you have anything before that? Uh, sorry, no. I was just. Okay. I was just looking. But yeah, I don't. Okay. All right. Well, on page ten, the next thing I have is that uh, the two panels in the middle. Mm-hmm. That that's pretty much a classic Ditko thing with the split the split thing and the two people's faces, mm-hmm. and I really like that. And it, with the art, you can tell that the it's two different characters. It's not like uh, well, it's kind of got this sort of Spidey sense thing that Ditko would do, but I I, I just like that, and I like mm-hmm. seeing that here. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like it's Ditko like forcing his style and his way of doing things on the book. It feels. I mean, it may not have been anything that Springer would have done necessarily, but it doesn't feel weird or out of place. Like it's just like, oh, that's how how he's showing it, and it doesn't. It doesn't yeah, well, it's, it's nice. I it's the two that. trucks. It's the two trucks racing side by side. You get the interiors of the cab, and you get the that sort of tension between the two characters by showing their faces split. And it's also good composition because they're brothers, and you see the divide between them. And it's a it's a it's a uniquely rendered panel. Well, it's I guess it's not unique because it's done by Ditko quite a bit, but it works well in the context of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's definitely I mean like I, mean, I don't know if it's something that we've really seen up to this point either, which is which is nice to see something something different. Mm-hmm. I I really don't have any notes after that until page sixteen. I mean the rest of it's pretty much you know action beats. Uh, yeah. With them racing the truck. There's another. I really uh, do like the I'm on on the uh, page eleven where I mean because cause they're they're marching neck and neck up up the you know on the same 
the same, you know, two way road. And then he just goes whoop, over the, over the, uh, the cars going the opposite direction. Like that's, I don't know. There's just something about that that really tickles my, my, my something. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I, I well, enjoy it. <laughs> that fourth panel there, the, the image of us, you know, flying the truck. This is something that, you know, he never did before. And I think Ditko mm-hmm. sort of conveys that feeling of, Mm-hmm. You know, I want to I want to kind of relate it to to the sort of Man of Steel thing, the Man of Steel movie, where mm-hmm. uh, when Superman first learns how to fly, he's got that sort of look on his face of just you know sheer joy, and this is the sort of thing that uh, is captured in this picture with a uh, U.S. here that he's just having so much fun doing this, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of nice here. Yeah, I mean, like you don't want to get like the. Um... I mean, I guess there are some characters you can't do it with. Like, I don't think this would make sense for, like, say, Rogue, or ever like, oh, it's so great that I'm stealing stuff from people and they might die. Like, that's <laughs> not... A th- but, like, there's so many uh, characters that I feel like they don't... Uh, there's not as much uh, enjoyment of doing the, those kind of the cool things that we get to see them do. I mean, yeah, you can talk about, you know, what's, what's what are the consequences and what's, uh, you know, what's what else does it mean but i think sometimes they do tend to get away from especially in more more modern stuff even even as far back as as this 70s and 80s where they just get really kind of ugh because they you know the characters are not enjoying things they should be enjoying and it's it's nice to see that it really is no i agree uh, the, it's it's nice to see characters actually having fun um there's another sort of uh ditko s style stylistic thing which is the heads turning and you get the different images and this is on what page 13 the fourth panel there where uh jefferson is looking around trying to find uh us one after he sprayed him with the oil so that, mm-hmm. uh, that's a typical Ditko thing. Yeah. Like oh, and I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I do love, as another just action beat that's really cool is, is definitely on page 12, but where he falls out of the truck and then, uh, drives it back around and then he comes and he lands right into the, like that panel where he is sliding back into the truck cab. Yeah. It's just so cool. I mean, like, that's, I don't know. There's just when you see something like that, it, you just gotta stand up and cheer. Like that just looks so great. No, that is that is a really good panel. I'm looking at that now. That's that's really nice. That, you know, like I said, the artwork here it doesn't differ that much from what we saw mm-hmm. Springer doing, but it's just got that little extra sort of kick that that kind of just bumps it up a little bit more. So uh, I, I I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, uh, like, I mean, I think I don't know. I had this is maybe not the best point in Steve Ditko's career, but I think you can definitely, I mean, you can see that this is a guy who has been doing this for decades and it really shows because you get to see all kind of, you know, the, the, the crazy weird stuff. And then you get to see like the, um, the normal stuff be just executed perfectly. And like, it's, it's nice to see that. I mean, even if it it is maybe a lesser Ditko, it still it still looks really great. Oh yeah. Um, uh, page eighteen is the next one that I have. Do you have anything prior to that? It's just pretty much a big chase sequence between then. 
Mm-hmm. I guess I just say like I, I'm I another reason I'm glad that Didco is doing this is because like I love the the space scenes like where they're actually have gone into space and like there's you know even though you know it's trucks floating in space like it, it feels right I guess and it's nice to see that and I don't know if, if Springer would have done that as well as as he did. No, I've noticed, you know, it looks like they're circling around the moon and the moon is, it's a bit more jagged. And I think it's, I think that's just some of uh, Ditko's characteristics. Uh, When I usually think of the moon, I think of it as more of a smooth surface, but it's got little points and mountains and peaks on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like on page uh, 15, where that uh, third panel there, where that long panel, where they're flying over it and there's the sort of sun in the background uh, silhouetting the planet that, that it's it's good looking art there and plus the ships on the next page they've got a variety of ships and it's a it's ditko getting to do some well it's not really kirby s type stuff but a little bit more tech art like we saw at the beginning of the book that uh, just weird variety of technology there so mm-hmm. hey, i like the one that's uh um oh i don't know where they're going past the the space the space station or or wait is it the fleet i don't know what it is but it's a, it's like a going it's like really nice like the you know weird alien technology and it's nice that it it looks like the what, what we saw on the ship before but it's also you know it's a little bit less derivative and it doesn't look like something that i've seen before like in a in a you know like in star trek or in star wars or something like it mm-hmm. does it does seem of, of, of its own self, and I like that, too. Now, uh, I think we talked a little bit about this. I can't remember whether it was off-air or at the beginning of the uh, at the beginning of the thing, but on page 18, panel 1, the uh, aliens actually rescue Jefferson from crashing into the moon. So there is never any resolution to what happens to him. They just said that they rescued him. So technically, I guess... You know, the Highwaymen could return and be in other Marvel comics, which I guess he eventually did as he appeared in a Ghost Rider comic, I think we talked mm-hmm. about. Yep. But uh, from there on in, it's pretty much, uh, you know, wrap up and them getting taken into space. Yeah. I do really like that on, on, on page 21, though, because, like, uh, where it is, where, uh, Taryn kind of makes her her break and it's like but it is um I think it's nice that it is it's Mary who comes to her and says you know um you know I I'd I'd like you to come and I I think us would too and I think it's I mean it's very it's it's really touching and like in in you know even though uh however much the grief may have been deserved uh, Mary really has gotten nothing but grief from this girl, and she still is like, you know, I want you to come, and like I think that's nice because to to see to see Mary grow like that because she was not going to do that at the beginning of the story. I would I don't think because she, you know uh, she might have been more uh, prim and demure, but uh, she was just as petty as Taryn was, and it's it's nice to see her grow in that. I think. But. No, I agree. It's it is nice that even though Taryn was pretty mean to her at the beginning of the book and pretty much throughout most of the series, that in the end, 
Mary is still the compassionate one and, you know, wants to have her around despite, despite the way that she's been treated by her. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, the and next then, I, Yeah, that's, oh, sorry, what? I was going to okay. say the next, the next note I had was on page 22. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, with, uh, with the, uh, the bad guys and I guess whatever his name from Mr. Leonardo. Oh my God. I just thought of something. Could Wait, this what? be, could this be Leonardo, Leonardo from the clerks, from the clerks comics or from the clerks cartoon series? And he's know. trying to buy up this land. Oh, that would be awesome. I don't know. I don't think I've seen, I don't think I've seen that. Okay. Well, sure, he was, he was basically a sort of Lex Luthor character in the, uh, clerks animated series and he was voiced by alec baldwin and it was Mm -hmm. it was hilarious and i i like the fact that well all the guys all the bad guys basically get radiation poisoning so that's well well, they might not but like they think they have radiation poisoning uh, supposedly yeah i don't know it's hard to tell but 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 i do like and it's like no it's, it's like but our time our hard work our money and like I guess I guess they might have spent money, but like and time I guess, but like what really hard work have they done? They just hired a an, an insane uh, <laughs> fake German with a blimp to attack. I mean, just like I mean, all the work that they did was just to destroy something that someone else had built. So I don't feel that bad that they lost their hard work. <laughs> yeah, true. I can kind of agree with you there. But then we got the uh, we get the very trippy final page mm-hmm. uh, that that's got some nice Steve Ditko sort of floaty. I, I really like the sunburst in the background, the sun with the or whatever the planet with the two uh, mm-hmm. perpendicular rings on it, yeah. and uh, you know it's just it, it's really really nice artwork for for what essentially is just kind of a goofy story about licensed truck toys Mm -hmm. and overall um you know i don't think it was anything epic i don't think this is you know should be held up there with the galactus saga or should be you know held up there with you know spider-man amazing spider-man number 33 or uh the avengers number four i mean but by no means is this some of the worst stuff that mm-hmm. Marvel has put out. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think maybe the reason why it, uh, you know, isn't those things is not necessarily because, you know, it, it, it couldn't have been. I think it's just, you know, that, uh, you know, everyone who was a part of it tried, you know, tried really hard to make it good. And, you know, the fact that they weren't, you know, Stanley or Jack Kirby or or Steve well I guess uh, even Steve Ditko, D- Steve Ditko wasn't really Steve Ditko in this but you know I mean like it is really in that way that it's I mean I I, I don't think if, if if this comic isn't good it's not for lack of trying I think I'll, I'll give you that I mean I think that I think that's one of the things that we can take away from this is that these people did try to do the best they could with what they had. I mean, it was a licensed, it was a licensed comic about a truck or, you know, basically radio co- radio controlled racing trucks or trucks that, you know, kind of worked on the idea of, 
uh, either racing or, or trains. So that's really not much of a concept to go with. And the fact that they could pull it out in through these 12 issues and kind of make it some goofy fun, I think, is mm-hmm. is a credit to them. Yeah, it's not the greatest thing around, but if anything, it's a fun read. So uh, I'm I'm glad, Jay, that even though this started out as kind of, you know, kind of a snarky, goofy uh, April Fool's type thing, that we actually went through this and did this and that I got a chance to look at it. Because, you know, otherwise, you know, I would have thought for the most part that this would have been, oh, just uh, horrible stuff. But it really, in the end, wasn't. And even with the characters, like we said in this issue, with the characters like Papa Wheelie and Annie, how we initially thought that they were just horrible stereotypes, by the end, you know, they were fun, kind of better fleshed out characters. So Mm -hmm. there was growth throughout the book. Yeah. And I think this kind of goes back to, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're not supposed to talk about it, but, you know, the the, um, other show from which this was birthed, I mean, it is that... And when you're talking about Guy Gardner and things and you're thinking about, about this, the, you know, the books that people have dismissed out of hand because people tell them it's terrible and because, uh, you know, they maybe have seen a little bit of it and are like, oh, yuck. And, but, and I think maybe, I, I hope that we've shown at least that, you know, by going, uh, going through this that we have, you know, that they're, you know, there's there's something good in this too, and I think there's uh, it, it's not perfect, but I think there's a lot a lot to uh, a lot to enjoy and a lot to um, appreciate about it. Definitely, definitely. Uh, if you're ready, let's go ahead and uh, take a look at some of the ads that they've got in this book. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, this uh, the front and side cover. I love this movie. This was this one of my favorite. That's an advertisement for Buckaroo Banzai. And it's uh, it's got the advertisement, Buckaroo Who, the designer and driver of the jet car, a vehicle able to roar unharmed through solid batter. Buckaroo Who, an expert in martial arts, particle physics, and fluent in a dozen languages. Buckaroo Who, an extraordinary brain surgeon. Buckaroo Who, the leader of the Hong Kong Cavaliers, one of the toughest, most popular hard-rocking bar bands in East Texas. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just, this was just a fun movie and just an mm-hmm. underrated movie. Yeah, I think I think this ad maybe actually kind of shows uh, both why the movie is great and also why it didn't do that well. Mm-hmm. It's because, I mean, like if you actually bother to read all the text, like I don't know how you can not be excited to see this movie, but I can also see someone, you know, who is not you and who is not me go looking at this and and just... You know, saying, ugh, all this text, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, people that might enjoy it are just going to be turned off by like these. There's a lot of text in this ad and it, I, I can, I can totally see why, uh, people might just, you know, not, might not be wowed by the ad in the way that they might buy the, by the film, which is, I, which is sad. I will give you that. If there was more of a, sort of Drew Struzan type uh, image of the characters just doing things, sort of like a Raiders of the Lost Ark type feel thing. Mm-hmm. I think that might have worked better for the movie. But yeah, I will say that the the advertisement is bogged down by a lot of text. But if you spend time reading the text, the stuff that they're talking about then there mm-hmm. is just so gloriously out there 
that I can't see how you couldn't be drawn into it, uh-huh. especially if you're a genre film lover. So yeah. yeah, I do like it that at the bottom it does say you know astounding new adventure coming this summer from 20th Century Fox, soon to be a major Marvel comic. Uh, yeah, it really wasn't all that major for a Marvel comic, was it? I don't know. I haven't read it. I just, I just, um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it might not have been that good, but you never know. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, the next ad is for Oreo, Apple Newtons, and Fig Newtons, and I guess if you send in uh, proofs of purchase, you could get either some Matchbox vehicles, some, uh, some stickers, or a Centurion uh, Quartz digital watch. So. That's kind of cool. Do they still have Apple Newtons? I mean, I guess it's been a while since I've been in a cookie aisle, but I, I mean, I remember they have like cherry ones, but I don't yeah. remember Apple. Like, I'm maybe, trying maybe to remember. A, I feel I, like I've had them in the past, but I don't know if that's a thing that they do anymore. You know, I can't. I'm trying. I know they have fig. Still have fig Newtons, and well, I yeah. know they have a different. They've got a couple of different flavors. They might still have Apple, but Ooh. yeah, I haven't had. I haven't had Newtons in a while. No, yeah, it's been a long time for me. Now I'm going to have to go to the store and see what they have. I know, I know. Uh, the next ad well, so, is... So so the ad worked, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now I'm craving Apple Newtons. and mm-hmm. going to be disappointed if they don't have them at the local grocery store. Indeed. Uh, the next ad is for some uh, fantasy adventure books, Dragon's Tales, written by Rhonda Vallot, or Rondi Vallot. Mm-hmm. I... I vaguely remember these books, and I don't remember if these are more um, like young teen type books or whether they're along the lines. I don't think they're along the lines of the Dragonlance or the sort of, uh, oh, who was the writer? Uh, R.A. Salvatore. I think he was a little bit later. I think these are a bit for younger readers, but they're sort of sword and sorcery type books. Uh, And apparently they're choose your own adventure. I think so. Oh, that, yeah, actually, yeah, now that you mentioned that, I think this may be one of those, yeah, it says uh, choose your pathway to the magic realm. So they are choose your own adventure books. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because I'm like, I've, you know, it's the kind of thing that I think I would have been interested in when I, I don't know if I am interested in it now, but I definitely would have been interested when I was the age that these things are aimed at, but oh well. Uh, born, born in the wrong time, I guess. Oh, sadly. <laughs> uh, the next ad is the hodgepodge page, and looking at it, I don't know if this is supposed to be part of an ad, but they've got this image of Dr. Doom firing yeah. off energy from his hand, but there's a line delineating it. Uh-huh. It's in a box by itself with really no ad copy in there. It's just an, yeah. a, a nice image of Dr. Doom firing off a, like I, like I said, energy from his hand, but it's not related to any of the comic book uh you know retailing yeah. things so that's uh, just kind of weird there seems weird i mean i guess uh, at least i mean if you can't find an ad in time for for it to go to print i mean there are worse things you could put in there than doom i that's think true. Uh, as 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 our uh, our friend and uh frequent uh contributor i don't know frequent commenter i guess not that we've had all that many but uh <laughs> as as professor allen uh yeah, Professor Allen would be happy if uh, Doctor Doom could be placed into pretty much any book. Yeah. Um. The next ad is a full-page ad for Westfield Comics. It's kind of a kind of a weird ad. It's like a sort yeah. of lonely farmhouse in the middle of a field with just a sort of white 
picket friends leading up to the it doesn't really sell you on comics it's got some blurbs now it's got it's got a blurb here from Stephen S Bo Smith and I don't know if this is act the actual Bo Smith about what collectors are saying about Westfield but I've never yeah, heard I I wonder I wonder I, mean, I think that I don't know where he's from but like West Virginia that sounds that I, sounds I, like a right ish kind of I, thing <laughs> I, I'm thinking he is from. Uh, I don't know whether it's West Virginia, but I. It sounds familiar, but I. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be shocked. But yeah, that that's just kind it's of a, odd. It's interesting though that all these, you know, I, mean, I guess all these things are from. Oh, you know, the. It's just got a letter from someone from in West Virginia when it's apparently it's in Madison, Wisconsin, which is hmm. kind of far away from there. But I guess I guess maybe Miller or whatever. That's true. But yeah. I mean, it's like the. It's like I kind of uh, think maybe because they're from Wisconsin, they want to go with that kind of rural kind of uh, idea. But like, if you've ever been, I don't know. I guess uh, maybe it was different in '85. I don't. I don't think it was that much different though. But um, I mean, if you've ever been to Madison, I mean, like it's a pretty big city, and it's not. You know, hmm. it, it it's not like. Uh, I mean, it's the capital, so it's no. It's it's no. Uh, it's a no so I don't know. Like I, I'm kind of finding it hard to buy that the, they have farmhouses in the middle of nowhere in Madison. But yeah, yeah, there you whatever. Go. Uh, the a, ne- it's a nice drawing though. Yeah. The next ad we have is the, uh, the Captain O and the Olympics prizes for cash thing. I think we, I don't know if they've updated anything in here. The only thing that kind of caught my eye was a frog phone, which I guess is a. A sort of uh, corded phone that flips open and I guess is looks like a frog, whatever. And, yeah, kind of. I don't know. It looks kind of cool, I guess. Uh, um, they've got a three-in-one changeable robot over on sort of near the middle on the left-hand side. They've got another Panasonic portable TV. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh my goodness! Yeah, there. I mean, there's also there's like a, yeah, a telescope and microscope and mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's 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 kind of the same stuff. I mean, nothing yeah. really all that all that different. Um, then yeah. another another hodgepodge page, and nothing really interesting. Still got the black suited Spider Man. Then they've got the same ad for the 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 Navy Task Force. Yeah, all little toys there. Uh, bullpen bulletin is hyping Dreadstar, Jim Sterling's. Dreadstar, I guess that's entering a new phase with a... I did not know his name was Vanth Dreadstar. That is just a cool name. Mm-hmm. Versus I'm, the Lord High Papal. So I don't know. Is that like an anti-Catholic thing or something? I, I don't, don't know. know. Uh, the Papal is obviously Pope. But uh, here we get in the hype box. Um, uh, Machine Man Limited Series and the Micronauts of the New Voyages. So yeah, mm-hmm. this was where the, uh, the Micronauts were uh, coming in to... Uh, coming, their new book, yeah, yeah, coming back, and and then the last one is something I know I know we both like. Uh, oh yes, the Doctor Who magazine, mm-hmm. and uh, I number think, one. I think a lot of the yeah it says here a lot of the art was uh, illustrated by Dave Gibbons. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if this and, was and and uh, Paul Neary and David Lloyd and uh, an article on Doctor Who uh, illustrated by. Walt Simonson. Nice. Uh, this would be something I'd like to check out because, you know, 
I uh, I got an opportunity to look at oh what was it the Iron Legion which was one of the I think uh-huh. the UK reprint stories by D- Dave Gibbons and the artwork in there was just was just wonderful and I think the I can't remember who wrote it but whoever did had a pretty good job of capturing the uh, Tom Baker Doctor Who I thought it was really fun stuff and mm-hmm. you know it was it was yeah nice seeing it's always nice having some Tom Baker stuff going on there. yeah and even the yeah I mean I've I mean if what I've seen of the uh, Dave Gibbons illustrated uh, books of have been really I mean like I've seen like I know they Oh, I don't know if they're doing it anymore, but a while ago, I remember seeing they had like Doctor Who classics or whatever, and they had like oh uh, yeah, IDW was publishing yeah a while back. Were, there was some good there was some Dave Given stuff in that. They were pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, subscription ad this time out, they've uh, they're hyping oh. Alpha Flight. Uh-huh. And now I know Sasquatch and Puck, and uh, is that it's um, Aurora okay. is on the on the which is North Star's sister. Okay, and. Uh, Marina is the one that's in the uh, on the other right, side. Okay. Who's like I don't know how big of a character she ever was, but like I think she married Namor at some point. I think I'm trying. It would make sense because remember, like I said, I, like, again, this is showing my lack of knowledge. Uh, Alpha Flight, I wasn't reading at the time, even though I should have been because Burn doing it, and that's mm-hmm. always awesome. But yeah, she does look like a character that would fit in with the sort of undersea. Namor type feels. Yeah, I mean, I know she definitely was a C character. I don't remember exactly what it looks like. It's been a while since I've, I've read it, but and even then, I've only read like the whatever's in the collected, which is like the first I don't know, like twelve issues or something. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not exactly uh uh you know since since Alpha Flight ran to a hundred something issues, I mean, I guess I can't really yeah. <laughs> claim to be all that much of an expert on Alpha Flight. <laughs> Uh, the next the next ad is in the back inside cover, which is some Olympic heroes trading cards, and they've got Olympians like Muhammad Ali, Mike Urizoni. I don't know. I, yeah, he's. A, I say, yeah, you should know watching all those Italian movies. You know, <laughs> sadly, <things>. no. <laughs> I guess he's a, he's an Italian hockey <laughs> player from the U.S. I guess I'm Dorothy assuming, Hamill. I'm assuming, yeah, yeah, Dorothy Hamill and Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner, yeah. Wait. Bruce Jenner, that was like, whoa, that's, wow. How, how the mighty have fallen, as, as, as they say. Uh, I don't even want to think. Again, again, let's not, another thing. Let's not, yes, think, about let's that not one. think about that but but yes. also, but, but also, ew, those, those M&Ms are creepy. Yeah, I, I, I prefer the <laughs> M&Ms that are, that are voiced by Billy West and, uh, oh, J. Jonah Jameson. I can't J.K. Re- J. Simmons? J.K. Really? Simmons, yeah. Yeah, is that that's, really is that really wow. That is, I mean, who, I mean, like the Billy West, I could believe because I mean, I know he does all kinds of different voices, but I, I feel like if it was J.K. Simmons, I would have, I would have heard, you know, noticed you, it. But I guess maybe not. Maybe if you yeah. listen to if you, the classic one where they're walking in on Santa Claus and they're uh-huh. saying, you know, oh, I don't even know if he exists, then Santa Claus looks at looks at him and say they do exist, and uh-huh. they think. Billy West is the red Eminem, and you can kind of oh, tell. Oh yeah, voice. yeah. Uh-huh. But J.K. Simmons is the other one. So, oh. and he he, uh, it's surprising because you wouldn't think of him as, as a voice actor. But yeah, he I, I'm pretty certain he did the voice some voice work for the uh, Eminem's commercials. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I love that guy. He's great. Oh, uh, yeah. He, if anyone 
was well cast for the Spider-Man movies, it was J.K. Simmons. I think mm-hmm. he was the perfect, perfect version uh-huh. of J. Jonah Jameson. He just personified that. I can't, and he, everything else he's been in. I loved him in Law and Order. I didn't mm-hmm. really watch yeah. all that much of Oz. But uh, oh, he is great in Oz. I haven't. I've only. I think I've only seen the first like half of it. But he's really good in that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, he he he's a he's a very dark character from the episodes that I've seen. And so, oh yeah, but Absolutely. of course. I mean, like you no, know, he's like a he's like a you know he's like a white supremacist, mm-hmm. and uh, he's not a very nice person. Besides that, <laughs> so well, yeah. Yeah, but Oz is really not a very nice, very nice show. Anyway, there's a. Oh lot yeah, I mean, like there's. A, I mean, like I think he does something really bad to one of the main characters, like in the first episode, I think maybe. But anyway, and, but uh, and also I don't know if you have you seen the the Coen Brothers uh, remake of the Lady Killers. That's no, I haven't. Uh, he he's that? he's he's in that, and it's I mean it's really good. He's like the demolition expert in. I mean, it's got all kind of. It, I mean, and t- Tom Hanks is really good in that too, because Tom gonna Hanks check. is good at everything. I definitely, yeah, definitely recommend it. I had only, uh, you know, I, I like it was on on the television like a while ago, and I just had, you know, I just ran into it. and I was like, oh, that's a Coen Brothers movie. I haven't seen most of their stuff. I like, so I sat down and I watched it, and it was really good. I'll have to check that out because I like the Cohen. In general, I like the Cohen brothers. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be controversial here and say the one film that I don't like from the Cohen brothers, and it's not that I hate it, it's just I didn't get into it, was the Big Lebowski. I just I couldn't get into it as well as I could with like Raising Arizona or Hudsucker Proxy or Fargo or any of those movies. Uh, you know, it just it didn't work for me. So. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see that. I mean, like it's I don't know if it's, I mean, I like it, but I mean, I don't know if it's. Um, well, see, everyone lauds it as one of their favorite or or one of the best, and I, uh, like I said, I prefer Raising Arizona, or you know, like I said, or Fargo, or even I, I just really loved Hudsucker Proxy. So uh-huh. I thought. You know, those movies were yeah. superior think, in my mind. Uh huh. Yeah, I think, I'm not sure if it's maybe their best movie, but I think it is one of their funniest, and I think that's why why people, uh, you know, will tend t- tend to go to that. I think whether or, or it's or just more absurd maybe than that, and it's even if it's you know, uh, if maybe to you it doesn't measure up to some of the other other ones. I think it is. I don't think there really is a movie that's quite like it, I think. And I think that may be also what, what brings people back to it. I'll give who you knows? That. Uh, but our final ad for the uh, back right. outside cover is... <laughs> I uh, forgot we were talking about comics. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a podcast about Coen Brothers movies. There we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Um, the back outside cover is Jim Starlin was going to change change this book unless he could make it better and it's an advertisement for Dreadstar and it's got Van Dreadstar and I guess the papal guy and and the various characters and Jim Starlin's artwork is really really nice I like his stuff I just recently encountered on uh, just one of the guys uh, a Jim Starlin drawn book in Green Lantern and it had a lot of the feel of what I'm getting here on this Dreadstar comic so Uh, Jim yeah. Starlin's always good artwork. So. Yeah, I think it's interesting though. I'm trying to think. Um, there, it's like girl that's in the picture. It's like, 
she really, really looks like Kitty Pryde. Like, I mean, she has like a, she even has a thing on her back. Like, it's it's like a little monkey looking thing instead yeah. of the Lockheed the dragon. But I don't know. Like, I have I have a Kitty Pryde action figure around here somewhere, and I think I've. I mean, I know that the colors are the same, probably. Yeah. But I'm think, but I'm thinking that I mean, like, yeah, that, I mean, the uniform is like almost identical, and I'm just like, I wonder. Uh, which I'm not even sure which I. I pretty sure she had been out by now but yeah oh yeah because this is uh yeah because we were talking about a couple episodes back about uh the first john romita jr on the x-men and she was she was in there long before that mm-hmm. so she must have been but it's interesting i don't know why, yeah, why, why she looks so much like that yeah now that you mention it yeah she does look a lot like a like a kitty pride probably in her mid-20s yeah, not, not I mean, stuff that, it's not like the well, like the one like in the burn issues where she has like giant huge eyes and she's like you know you know and that, I, I remember that shit the weird costume where it's all the roller skates and God knows what and it's, uh, oh that's fun I don't know good times though oh, yeah. anyway <laughs> well speaking of good times I had an amazing time covering these books like I said this is not epic storytelling this is not something that should be lauded as the best stuff that Marvel has done, but by God, if it wasn't fun to read, I enjoyed the heck out of doing all this. And, and, and Jay, I'm actually glad that you kind of talked me into doing this. So thank you, Jay. I'm, oh yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, I mean, I mean, for, for being, uh, uh, for being willing to be talked into it and to have, you know, not given up after the first episode and, all the other whatnot. Uh, I mean, like the, it's. There were some times when I was like, uh, "If I have to read any more crap about retread, I'm just going <laughs> to throw this against the wall." But but overall, nothing. Overall, it was fun, and that's kind of what I'm looking for in comics. So, mission accomplished here. Jay, do you want to go ahead and uh, before we uh, close this out, uh, tell people what you're doing on the internet and what you have planned coming up? I think I actually would like to mention one thing though before that um, is I want to I know I've uh, made uh, passing references to it in the in some of the synopsis when I when I used uh, used their term uh, trucopathic powers but um uh just about the the War Rocket Ajax pod, podcast which I th- uh, the um, episode they did with Brian Clevenger was like really uh, what made me interested to look into the series in the first place and what made me want to uh, push you into doing this. In the, in the, and I want to thank them for that. And they do a really good show. So if people are looking for a podcast about comics or pro wrestling or barbecue or uh, any of those things combined, uh, they can find it there. It's, it's really good. You should listen to it if you're not already. Yeah. Anyway, and but but yeah, no, and I can talk about me. Um, me, la 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 la. Okay, so, ah, uh, yeah. So I've been working on this blog. It's called the, uh, um, and call called the Double Action Review, and the uh, yeah, like um, the list of, of what I'm going to be covering from there is pretty much, pretty much the same as from last. What am I talked about it last time? There'll be a little bit. Uh, what well, one thing will be uh, different, I guess, but uh, um, so I'm going to be talking about comics from all the different decades uh, across comics history, and uh, we'll have uh, Golden Age Wonder Woman, 
uh, Silver Age Flash, Metamorpho. And for the 70s, uh, I had talked about doing this in uh, in podcast form, but uh, for various reasons, I think I'm going to be covering it on the blog instead. And that is the uh, wonderful Tomb of Dracula series, which is, um, I hope that doesn't... Uh, make anybody sad but uh because i think it'll be i think also be good and uh we got uh black orchid from the 80s uh savage dragon from the 90s uh the kyle and yost x-force series from the 2000s and the uh deadpool series that's coming out right now from this decade and uh hopefully i will um the page is at double uh uh double action review all one word and that's review r uh r e v i e w um it's yeah it's review like review not not like a uh not like a uh musical as, yes. as our and um and yes all one word and that's uh, uh yeah double action review dot com and um la 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 what else um and so i'm i'm really hoping that i will be able to have stuff coming out by the time that this episode airs i don't know if that's going to be but i am going to do my absolute best to make sure that it is and if not uh it uh stuff should be rolling out in the next week or two after that i would think uh if if things don't go as well, and and as for oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, sorry, sorry. Um, just a little cough. And and uh, and I guess as as I uh, was talking about earlier, we were saying about uh, anything about like a, a sister podcast to this. Well, um, uh, it's may not be quite quite the same, but uh, I will be. Working with my friends, the lovely Chris Moore, and uh, we are we are uh, in the process of working on a podcast project that we're going to do together. And uh, when it comes out, uh, it it will be on the Double Action site as well. And um, we're not quite sure what it's going to be called yet, but uh, it um, will probably be some somewhat in the in the similar style of what what uh, sean and i have been doing doing here uh and the only i mean we're really in the early stages of this because uh i procrastinated and then things i I, new interesting ideas popped up in front of me and i jumped at them and it got a little crazy but uh the things um the only things that we've definitely are sure on the slate is uh definitely be doing uh the uh punisher versus archie one shot which uh is gonna gonna be great it's 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 interesting um and uh work on the uh sleepwalker series from the 90s and uh i don't know what we'll be doing uh beyond that uh or when that's gonna be coming around but that will be coming out eventually i hope and so uh i hope you will enjoy it and I think that's it. Well, Jay, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for giving me the impetus to look in these books. And, you know, thanks for actually showing us that a lot of times 
what our perceptions are of comics shouldn't be taken for granted. I mean, we should basically, if we want to find something, basically, I guess there are far worse things than stories about truck <laughs> CP helmets or CP skulls. There are far worse things out there than that. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that remains true for stories about aliens who live in people's dreams. <laughs> we can we can keep our fingers crossed about that. Dave, thanks again yeah. for coming on the show, and thanks all of you yeah. for listening. And I would yeah. tell you to come back next time for another episode of Just One of Them There Guys, but this is it, folks. We We made it through it, and hopefully you did as well. Yeah. Hopefully you didn't get annoyed by retread so or or yeah or any, or any of oh so many numerous things but we'll uh, now it's now is not a time to be down now it's a time to celebrate we did so we did we did something uh awesome maybe did something <laughs> i don't know definitely i don't think anyone else would have done and mm-hmm. i think we can be proud of that yeah so thanks folks for listening and uh We'll catch you on our other endeavors, I guess. Bye, folks. You've been listening to Just One of Them There Guys, a US1 podcast, hosted by Sean Engel and Jay Ferguson. All images, stories, and music are copyright the respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely to show everyone how cool it is to sit for long periods of time in the cab of an 18-wheeler while listening to an ever-changing radio station and popping no-dos like M&M's. All feedback to the show can be sent to the sister side of the show at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find the RSS feed for the show at the new Two True Freaks website, located at twotruefreaks.com. You can also go to the Just One of the Guys section, and you'll find episodes there. The show is also on iTunes under the Just One of the Guys banner, as well as the all-new Two True Freaks number two. Go there, and be sure to leave a review. You can also reach me on Citizens Band Channel 19 if you're traveling through the great state of Oklahoma. Just give a shout-out for Wide Load Shawnee, and I'll chat the night away with you. However, you still won't find me on Facebook. Sorry, folks. But that's it for this time. Come back again next time for another episode of Just One of Them There Guys, a US1 podcast. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm westbound, just watch old bandit run.